And welcome back to another special edition of the program. And joining me here live right now is Eric Kajewski. Let's bring him in. Michael, how are you? There you are. What's going on, my friend? Not too much. Always good to talk to you again. We had a great blockbuster talk last time, and I'm sure this show will rattle the YouTube world, and uh, hopefully we'll get a lot of people talking about it. I hope so as well. And, of course, it was an honor and a privilege to speak to you then and here now. It's always fun uh, to conversate with you. Different ideas flow, and we have this open environment here to discuss all sorts of things. We're never really limited here on this side of heaven. Yes. Well, that's good. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate the work that you do. And uh, hopefully, uh, well, I'm not sure if you picked up uh, a lot of new listeners from last time. And I don't know if you want me to kind of cover, you know, who I am, you know, the website, you know, kind of like our background, so to speak, and what we're trying to get across. Um, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, so really briefly, my name's Eric Kajewski. I run one of the most uh, popular, if not the most popular, traditional Catholic website available called tradcatnight.org, and it's a new website now. It's new and improved, uh, and I hope to see you all over there. Again, it's not just Catholics who are uh, connected to my uh, information. As you know, i got people from all walks of life uh, following my work, but essentially I cover the apostasy in the Catholic Church, uh, the real third secret of a Fatima, which basically details that. Uh, you know, I cover New World Order topics, you know, Days a Lot News, Prepper, Survivalism, Earth Changes, Economics, Geoengineering, uh, you know, Agenda 2030, Planet X, FEMA camps, you know, uh, you, you name it, you know, Project Bluebeam, Harp, Scalar Technology, Global Depopulation. And so I'm sure there's a lot of carryover between what, you know, Michael discusses and some of the guests that he brings on. And we were just discussing off the air. We both had Fetzer on pretty uh, recently. So and I'm going to be starting special guest podcast back up in September. That's one of the reasons why you want to join me uh, over at tradcatnight.org because uh, my guest list is pretty, pretty extensive. I have hundreds and hundreds of, uh, you know, top name guests on the program. So hope to see you all there. And just as a side note too, uh, Michael recently, uh, Feedspot, just kind of like a ranking system. This is just one of them to give you an example. Rank, ranked us, uh, well, according to their model, we're number three Catholic YouTube channel, but the, the problem right. is the two that are ahead, the two that are ahead of me, they're not really Catholic. <laughs> they're following Vatican too. So, uh, technically speaking, I'm, I'm the number one Catholic YouTube channel available, and I rank 15 when it when it smashes Catholics and Protestant channels together. You know, there's thousands and thousands of Christian channels. I'm number 15. So, uh, just to Very give you good. an idea, we have we have a pretty extensive following, and uh, I, I cover it all. So, I don't know what direct if you had anything pre-planned. I mean, oh, I had so about much. a half a dozen topics oh, yeah. I would like to cover by the time we're done. But let me know what you want me to cover. And I'll get right into it. I want to talk about all sorts of different things. And, yes, congratulations on the YouTube channel. That's been very popular. And I, I believe I got one of those um, strange awards in my email from someone. I don't know who. But they gave me some sort of ranking thing for um, end times sort of channel, I guess. Oh, yeah? Cool. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I guess that's what's... A popular thing going on. There's rankings all of a sudden. I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good for you, man. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, there's so much to talk within the topic of quote unquote, uh, end times. And uh, I recently on my, uh, 
premium podcast. I did a whole entire 45-minute show on a not-so-well-known mystic, even in the, the Catholic Church, called Sister Jeanne of the Nativities back in the 17th century. And basically, she talked about the end times. She talked about the reign of the Antichrist. She talked about all these earth changes and sinkholes and earth cracks opening up where, you know, poisonous gases would be released and, you know, cities would die from it and the second coming of Christ actually. So it took me a while to translate it from the original French into, uh, English. It was sent to me by, uh, Father Kramer out in Ireland and, uh, it's a really good read because most Catholics have not seen it. It was the kind of the hot news item, uh, on my website about a week ago. So. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's so much to talk about. So really, there, there truly is. But before we get into all these great topics, I thought we could go back in time to your earliest roots, Eric. When I guess you can say, were you always religious, Eric? Did you grow up in a religious household? What, what was that like for you? Yeah, well, I grew up uh, as a Catholic, and again, when, when you're raised in the mainstream, quote-unquote, Catholic Church, again, it's not really Catholic. The Catholic Church has been hijacked by uh, men who we call modernists, and basically, modernists are a group of men, uh, you know, slash women, who have an erroneous perception of what it is to be Catholic. Pope St. Pius X called them uh False apostles, these new false apostles. And so it's a basically like a rewrite of what Catholicism is. And in the reality, it's not really Catholicism because it's funneling everyone towards this one world religion that's, you know, so many people are talking about. Babylon, Revelation 20. Uh, but it was talked about by pre-Vatican II popes, uh, pre-Vatican II mystics like Blessed, uh, Anna Emmerich for one, Marie-Julie Jeheny. Uh, so I was raised, yes, uh, in a quote-unquote Catholic home. Uh, you know, I'm a ex-athlete. I was pretty good at basketball. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I've got a master's degree in business, was a businessman. And I kind of fell away, you know, in my late 20s. I mean, I was living the playboy lifestyle. I mean, I, I was, you know, had the nice car, the nice uh, home down by Myrtle Beach in, in, in North Carolina. I had the women, you know, I had the money, I had, you know, the job. And uh, I was miserable, truly, on the inside. And, uh, you know, I, you know, left practicing, uh, the faith. And then really at, at one point, even not only did I just leave the church, like, altogether, I mean, I, I really kind of doubted in God's existence, honestly, at one point. I mean, I, I hit such a low. I just kind of thought, like, why, why would God ever allow this? Cause I got hit with a can of worms all at once. I mean, I lost my girlfriend. I lost my home. I lost my job. I lost money. I lost it like all at once to where literally I, I snapped. I had a mental breakdown. And so, so you had a breakdown a, and you kind of, I guess you could say you sort of turned your back on religion slightly there. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I needed it. You know, I needed to snap. I needed to break because I needed to basically, you know, get back to my roots, you know, get back to God, get back to, you know, prayer life. And it was ultimately, you know, personally for me, it was the rosary that really saved me you know, from, from a life of addiction. Uh, you know, at one point being a sex addict. Isn't it amazing how we have to suffer before we could go back? Yeah. Well, that's, that's how it, and that's actually what's going to happen here in the world. I mean, this is why God is going to have to send and allow the evil that he's, he's going to allow to get people back on the right track, so to speak. Because, you know, modern man is, is so, how should I put this, seduced by all the latest gadgets and gadgets and moving from this to that, that they don't really sit and take time. I mean, if they pray five minutes a day, that that might be, you know, the best case scenario. Where, 
well, you know, what's about to happen in the world is, is really going to put man on Gilligan's Island, I call it. I mean, people are going to really feel like they're kind of all alone in the world, even though they might have people around them. It's going to be, it's going to be awfully lonely, especially after the economic collapse that will happen here, uh, in the West. But yeah, so I went through an awful lot of suffering, uh, but it was good because it, it's, it helped me to start writing a book. I'm writing a book called Fortress of the Soul. I've been writing it for seven years and hopefully it'll be out at some point, but it basically details my journey, a lot of my poems, a lot of my writings in there. And, uh, again, you can find some of the exclusive content on the, on the website I'm releasing to the followers there that haven't been seen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't always the quote-unquote Bible thumper. As a matter of fact, Mike, I spend more time with non-Catholics than I do in the Catholic world because, I mean, I think we talked about this last time, most people who identify as Catholics can't stand me because of the things I have to say. You know, I've got to call out Francis, who I think he's a Freemason. Then even within the whole traditional Catholic world, I'm not well-received because, in my opinion, most of them are just phony baloney. They're not real, you know, traditional Catholics. But most of them are, are uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice. They're just they're just phony baloney. Well, you could be yeah. you could be a little, you know, you could throw something on there. It's fine. Well, I, you know, it's most right. of them. <laughs> they, they, they form their own little cliques, and if you don't, if you don't think according to how they think, they kind of push you off to the side. Well, you know, just me kind of being me, growing up in New Jersey, like I, I don't play that kind of game, and uh, so I, I give them, I give them all a bunch of ear, you know, an earful. Mm, and, that's right, uh, you're from New Jersey. Yeah, I grew up in New Jersey. <laughs> that's yeah, right, Jersey Shore. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I, I don't play that game, and so they, and and they don't like that. You know, so, you know, basically I got to call them out and, you know, these types of people call me crazy and fake and a fraud. They, they try to do all kinds of things to slander, but it hasn't worked, you know. Yeah, you have like a I lot said, of detractors, Eric, and you're more than well aware. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, I actually just did a piece yesterday actually naming where, you know, individuals, where the origins of the hate from each individual person came from based upon, you know, my uh, you know, one-on-one correspondences with them. But like I said, that whole false trad network is quite extensive and, and they, re- and they think that they're really like kind of running things and they're not. Uh, you know, I'm very bold in saying that once, once everything starts to collapse here, that whole network, their whole network is going to kind of fall apart as the church goes underground. That's one of the things we could talk about later is, you know, the, the Catholic church is going to go full blown underground like it was. Uh, back in, in, in the, you know, the early Roman days where they were feeding Christians to the lions. It's right. going to be worse than that, actually. Just to, just to give you one thing, I mean, to cut you up in that Sister Jeanne okay. book, it, one of the startling revelations that she had concerning the, the great persecution during the end time, she said just over the course of several years due to the persecution of the Antichrist, uh, he will kill more than in the first few centuries of the martyrs in the church. Few years as compared to the first few centuries. That gives you an idea how many people, uh, and again, it's not infallible, but, you know, there have been other mystics and saints who've said that. It's gonna be, it's gonna be awfully a lot worse than the first go around when they were feeding people to the lines and all the mar- I mean, what we're about to go through, uh, in my opinion, in the next like five to ten years, because that's where I put kind of the great persecution, uh, you know, on a timeline, time frame. Yeah, and we'll, Um, we'll brush over that in a moment here, but, I did want to um, ask where these other topics were first introduced to you, Eric, because not only do you talk about Catholicism, you also cover a plethora of subjects. And I'm just curious um, where something like, let's say, for an example, Planet X, when did that, yeah, when did that first come into existence for you? 
Well, Planet X is an interesting subject. I was talking about this on my radio show a couple weeks ago uh, with uh, one of the callers I brought on. And uh, he was saying, you know, Eric, when you first started talking about Planet X, I thought you were a straight nut job. And I said, well, that's good because the first time I heard Planet X, I was calling those people a nut job. And then when I started really looking at it and I started studying uh, prophecy and some of these mystics, it became quite clear that all the earth changes that we're seeing are a result of this binary system approaching us. So one particular mystic who was probably the greatest mystic in the Catholic Church, uh, at least in the last hundred years or so, Marie-Julie Jeheny, uh, from France who predicted the apostasy in the Catholic Church and Planet X and Three Days of Darkness, which we talked about last time. Um, it was our Lord specifically, uh, who warned about this radiant planet coming out from the remotest parts of the universe, basically to, I'm paraphrasing now, to crush the Antichrist and the New World Order, basically. So um, that's how we know how it happens in scripture. Uh, so in terms of Planet X, I would say that that's been more like in the past, like, three to four years, but just in general, all these different areas, like say Catholic prophecy in and of itself, I've been studying on and off for two decades. So I would put my knowledge up against really any clergyman. And I've got a lot of clergy that'll come to me and and ask me questions and kind of pick my brain. And uh, so, you know, Catholic prophecy, I would say is probably my, my forte, but everything else kind of just falls into place. I mean, I, I had, the ability, once I kind of moved back to the Ohio Valley area and I kind of left the world, so to speak, left the business job to where I could be able to, like, research full time. So that's really what I did, uh, you know, for the past decade is, I mean, I really just started looking at investigating to all these different areas that we cover in the New World Order, uh, whether, you know, it's Illuminati itself or Freemasonry or geoengineering aspect or the GMOs and the whole glo- global depopulation thing. And, uh, was able to know it well enough to where I could bring on guests and I bring on, like I said, some of the top guests and I try to pick their brain and learn, uh, and, you know, absorb like a sponge and then kind of see how it fits what we're saying in the Catholic world and then try to present that information, uh, to the public. But, uh, you know, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. It's just, I've been very fortunate to be able to kind of research full time, uh, you know, when others had, you know, maybe, maybe we're out doing the nine to five and right. doing this or that. So, I mean, I was very, very fortunate and very blessed in that regard. And, and it just fit into what God wants me to do now to be able to help people understand the times that we live in. And, um, yeah, so I would, I would say that's, that's pretty much, pretty much it in a nutshell. Understood. And to wrap up the whole planet X Nubiru talk. Um, so that means you are open minded to extraterrestrial life, correct? Well, not, not as such. We would say, I covered this last night on the, uh, the show that I did last night. We believe that, quote unquote, what's being called aliens in the mainstream is actually demonic. Yeah. See, that's, that's another thing I was go- going to follow up with. If you thought these beings were demonic, since yes. so many different cultures, ancient cultures have pointed to the stars and mm-hmm. said these star beings have basically come down and basically described as fallen angels per se yes. so go ahead eric yeah uh that's exactly it our lady of la salette and approved uh marian apparition in 1846 it was talked about uh the blessed virgin mary warned that the demons of the air would work together with the antichrist who i think is 
Matreya. That's his general name. His website, shareinternational.org. Don't ask me who he is in the world right now. I don't think he's on the world scene, but that's just kind of the general name attributed to him. But anyway, you know, with all this phenomena going around, eventually, as things get worse in the world, people are going to get desperate to look for an answer. And so they'll be looking up at the skies and seeing all these, you know, various false prodigies and, and, you know, they'll integrate Project Bluebeam into it. So, uh, when I was speaking last night, I said probably the majority of what you're seeing in the air is probably more just advanced technology that you and I both know, you know, the governments have. I mean, it's like 50 plus years more advanced than, than what the mainstream knows you know, they have in terms of technology. But then the other, I would say is actually just truly interdimensional. Like, I mean, it truly is demonic. Uh, now, in terms of just the whole alien topic in general, that's not really my, like, I'm not going to sit there and try to debate someone for a half hour. Uh, the church, there's some theologians who say it's, it's infallibly taught that there cannot be aliens, but then I say, well, you know what, in, in the 1958 Baltimore Catechism, which most traditionalists would still use in the Catholic Church, it's, it's kind of leaves it as an open question. So, you know, it's kind of like I, I don't really get wrapped up in it. All I can tell you is that what we're seeing right now ties in with the New World Order endgame. You're, you're going to have the demons of the air working up top there. And then on on the boots on the ground, so to speak, are the new, when we get into the new age here, it's these ascended masters, which uh, Maitreya says are spread out all through the world. And so these highly advanced, uh, I don't know how you want to put them, I, I literally label them as fallen angels in the flesh. Um, so, you know, again, in the air, you'll have demons in the air on the, on the ground. You'll have, uh, these fallen angels, fallen angels in the flesh, which will kind of seduce humanity, tell them, you know, we're here to help you, to guide you. You know, we have the answers. You just, you know, you just got to take this guy's mark basically. And, and one of the ascended masters is going to be the biblical false prophet that everyone's, you know, always talking about. You know, that's one of the things I was hoping to get into today, actually, is why Francis is not the biblical false prophet, because I see Protestants saying that, I see traditional Catholics saying that, and he's not. I mean, what's coming after Francis is going to be far worse, uh, even than what he's doing. Yes, uh, we'll definitely get into that. But before we do, um, I, I did want to bring up this. Uh, now, Eric, there are a lot of Christian listeners out there, as well as, as uh, those absent of religion. It seems like lots of my listeners are slightly opposed to Catholicism, to say the least. It's as soon as I mention that I'm going to be bringing in someone of that faith, they get very angry. Oh, I'm not, well, yeah. I'm not exactly quite sure why. I mean, I thought they would be a little bit more open-minded and, and not so opposed to different ideas and philosophies. Well, that's just it. That's the times that we live in. It's everything that, that basically Jesus had warned about, that there would be a great persecution, that mo- that modern man truly in general is not interested in religion. And this is why, I mean, I don't, I'm not honestly trying to play the fear card, but this is Understood. honestly why, yeah. why, why God is going to wipe the table clean in the three days of darkness. All the enemies of the church perish in those three days. No one, no one, no one of no religion is getting past that point. It doesn't matter if you go hide in a bunker, you got yourself, you know, an underground cave in Colorado, you're you're going you're not going to be around after because it's a spiritual chastisement much like there was one in the Old Testament. So, it's going to seem like the Catholic Church is going to perish, like I said we're going to go underground, 
but it's going to be kind of a glorious resurrection like Christ had. When when the apostles thought Jesus was dead and it was over with on the cross, you know, many of them abandoned him, right? And we all know what happened. You know, three days later he rose. So it's going to be very similar with the Catholic Church. Now it's 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 very interesting because that you said that because the the most recent story today, I don't know if you saw this, uh piggybacking off what has transpired in the church with the Cardinal Pell scandal down in Australia, the whole sex abuse thing that we had Cardinal McCarrick just recently over the past few weeks getting busted and you know he had to step down now today I don't know if you saw this uh it's all over the news by the way uh report detailing sexual abuse by 300 priests in Pennsylvania's Catholic Church now the reason why this hits home is because it's only about a half hour from me in the Pittsburgh area so there was 300 priests busted predator priests uh that Apparently, there's over a thousand child victims, and it gets pretty graphic, at least here on the CNN thing. But I mean, raping, you know, seven-year-olds, eleven-year-olds. But here's here's what people have to understand. First of all, okay, Jesus started the Catholic Church. He started religion. Okay, he handed over the keys to Pope Saint Peter, and he said, "Upon this church, I will build this. You know, I will upon you, Peter, my rock, I will build the church." What people have to understand is on that on a certain we're all sinners. You are capable of doing something really crazy, uh, Michael, just as I am. Sure. So for those without religion who want to point the finger, like, okay, well, I'll never be Catholic because you guys are just a bunch of pedos. Well, a uh, pedophilia is, you know, still, you know, you can, you're still liable to falling into some type of sin like that or rape sure. or murder. Th- this anything. is this is one of the reasons why Eric that many of my listeners are opposed to Catholicism because of the whole ongoing uh, priesthood in the Catholic Church being basically, well, some of them uh, even protected uh, for these uh, sexual molestation uh, molestation um, uh, accusations, rather. And it's just something that is troubling that does go on more than we think it does. So I think this is one of those reasons why so many are kind of, once they hear that word Catholicism, they get, they get a little angry here. Right. Well, we have to, again, differentiate Catholicism between Vatican II modernism. The, right. the, the people in the hierarchy, they're not Catholics. My local bishop here, is he, is he real Catholic? No. He's not teaching the Catholic faith. Now, yeah. also, what your, your listeners have to understand is, uh, per the, per what has been warned about, from all these pre, you know, Vatican II mystics and even Bella Dodd, she wrote a book. She, she was the leader of the communist party here during, I think the twenties and the thirties. She, when she converted to Catholicism, right? Uh, she warned that, uh, they, a thousand Marxist, uh, agents were infiltrated into the seminaries. So what I'm saying is predominantly when you hear this pedophilia and all these scandals, it's the Freemasons in the Catholic Church. They're, they're not real Catholics. They're pretenders. Now, I'm not saying every single one of them. I'm not giving them all a pass because, like I said, pe- people are people. I mean, you could still have, you know, just a regular priest who, who's not truly a modernist right. who has issues. And as a matter of fact, that, 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 it, that does occur in the traditional world. Trust me, I, I've covered it before. I actually had one priest who was on my Facebook who I later found out in the traditional world, you know, had issues in that area that I, that I didn't know about when I was talking. So what I'm saying is this is what people have to understand. that The Catholic Church has been infiltrated. It's been subverted. It is on purpose 
being presented to the mainstream media as such so it can be hated, so that the new religion can come into play, right? The Catholic Church is the bad guy, so now we, we need something new. We need the new age. We need this, uh, you know, this, this, uh, false prophet guy to come onto the scene and he'll be the one. Once you take this mark, he'll feed you, he'll clothe you, he'll house you, and how many people are gonna buy into that? They're going to buy into that. Yeah, sure. this is everything that the uh, Catholic Church had warned about beforehand. Jesus says at one point in, in Scripture, Michael, Think ye when the Son of Man cometh, will I find faith on the earth? It is, uh, I'm going to use this very strong word, it's at least the unanimous opinion of the church fathers. And typically when we're talking about a unanimous opinion of those early apostles, we, we claim infallibility on it. But uh, as I mentioned, the church goes underground and the church becomes very Small. So you you take a look around and you see as an organization how big the church is. I don't you know I don't know what the numbers are at this point that you know millions or you know billions even. But think about that. You know to be reduced to such a small number that it won't even be recognize recognizable. And so this is what I'm saying. We're we're transitioning out out of a truly Catholic world because in the good old days and in the medieval days predominantly it was Catholic. And then of course you had you know, Protestants breaking off, whether it was Luther or, you know, Calvin or who else. And then from that revolution, the Catholic Church warned, once you break off from the Catholic Church, it goes into Protestantism, then it ultimately slams down to the Antichrist, to atheistic uh, materialism. And so this is what we, we see happening. We see prophecy happening right before our eyes. And there will be an article I want to get into later co- covering yes. how these uh, Talmudic uh, Jews are talking about how their Messiah is here. That's that's not our Messiah. That, that's what we call. That's who we call the Antichrist. Okay, yes. they say he's alive. He's here. You know, one of the other issues that some of the listeners uh, they send me over time is, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. I hope you don't mind. But this is no, something. Yeah, yeah, this it. is something they wanted me to bring up to you. So I thought. Sure. I thought you know Eric is game. He's not going to run away from any of this. So I thought, well, why the hell not? It makes for a great conversation, anyways, right? Yeah, whatever you want to ask. Um, yeah, I'm an open book. Go ahead. Yeah, so one one of the issues the listeners always throw at me is, and mind you, this is the, the the Christian belts out there. They always tell me that the Roman Catholic Church teaches that Mary was sinless and that Mary was a co-mediator with Christ, and they they take a lot of issue with that. Well, on the level of her being sinless, yes. Uh, here's the difference between Catholics and Protestants. Catholic, what, and again, the Catholic Church is the only church that can claim apostolic succession. Any of the Protestants out there that are Lutheran, they broke off from the Catholic Church. This can be proven historically, you know, whatever it was, 1500, whatever the year was. We're the only church that literally can show apostolic succession, meaning going from Pope, 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 like a family tree. Okay, so Pope, Pope St. Peter was the first Catholic Pope. The 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 uh, the Pope who got crucified upside down. You'll even have Protestants protest that. I can't, you know, I, you know, you can't argue against pride. It's historical. 32 A.D. to 68 A.D. and there's historical text proving that, demonstrating how the other apostles uh, basically said, you know, he held primacy over the church. That's what we call papal primacy. So it's historical. It's just like looking at World War II. Okay, it happened in that year. Well, that's that's the way it is with the Catholic Church. So that's our starting point, right? So what the Catholic Church has always said is there's two aspects to the Word of God, which Protestants deny. A is obviously Scripture, which, by the way, the Catholic the Catholic Church gave the world the Bible, <laughs> the original Bible. B, there's what we call tradition, Catholic tradition. 
those early teachings in the church which weren't included in the Bible. So, so Protestants think, well, everything Jesus said and what was truly taught is just in the Bible. No, not a chance. I mean, there was so many more texts written in, you know, the first five, six hundred years that we call oral and written tradition that we actually use to support in terms of like when we're talking about the end times or the Antichrist. So when I talk specifically on these end times, I always try to refer back to tradition. What, what did the early church fathers say about the Antichrist? Or, you know, on this particular topic. So I'm building up to a point here. Uh, Allow me. When we get to Mary being sinless, that's in the tradition of the church. All the early saints and church fathers said that over and over and over again. So who's right? The Protestants who broke off from the church and protest. By the way, that's what a Protestant is. We protest, whatever. Okay, that's great. But show me how what you believe actually can be found in the earliest portions of the church. It cannot be. So then we come back to the question of authority, Michael. Who has authority? Does the Catholic Church have authority, or do these Protestants? The Protestants do not. That's why we as Catholics, we, you know, quite honestly, you know, I try to be as nice as I can, but I, I don't see even Protestants as a Christian. They're heretics to us. They've broken themselves off from the, body, the one body of Christ that Jesus Christ has established. Because only Jesus handed over the keys to Peter, and he said, what you bind on earth, I will uh, bind in heaven. So on the matters of faith and morals, the church is infallible. Not on everything. This is where Protestants go wrong. They think, you know, just because a pope, you know, says, you know, uh, cookie crisp is the best cereal, they think that's infallibility. No. It's very, very limited papal infallibility. In fact, it's only been invoked one time over the past 50-something years, and that's when John Paul II reiterated tradition and said women can't be priests, just as the early, uh, obviously, the first disciples weren't. So right. that, that's, a, that's the main difference uh, when we're talking about the whole, you know, the whole sinless question. So when you say, well, well, I don't believe in that. Well, I guess apparently you know better than the early apostles who were around Jesus. So, <laughs> you know, I can't, you know, I can't help that. I mean, that's, that's either, you're either ignorant, you don't know that, or B, that's prideful to think that, that you know better that, you know, than someone like St. Jerome or something like, I mean, I, I can't argue. Well, you some know, people, with you know how people. they, yeah, some, you know how some people are. Well, you know, <laughs> but there's some people who will listen. I mean, don't sure. get me wrong. I mean, I've seen a lot of Protestants actually convert, uh, you know, due to this, you know, you know, dealing with them. I told you last time I've got an outside ministry dealing with, uh, you know, girls in the escort, prostitutes, even a pornographic uh, industry. And most of them are Protestant. And I've seen, you know, I've seen a share of them convert over to Catholicism. And they know, uh, by the way, they know a lot about this stuff. They know about Planet X. They know about what's coming. That's hysterical. Uh, is, yeah. A lot of them, uh, yeah, out your, you know, out your way in L.A. And there's a couple big name, big name ones that are, you know, they're ready to move. Uh, out into oh, wow. not 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 my area per se, but down like in the Arkansas area, and uh, they've they've got like a little bug out place down there. So yeah, I mean well, it's, it's probably good for them. Well, yeah, I mean it's good to first of all get out of what the, what they were doing, but yeah, yeah I mean it, yeah, like I said, I, I'm open. That's to, progress, to talk. a little progress there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a tough world. It, it, you know, basically Catholic bashing is. It, I mean, it's in vogue now, and, and all all that I'm saying is is eventually. The, the 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 playing field gets leveled. All the enemies of the church they get wiped out in this three days of darkness. Uh, and 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 you know the good and the bad are going to die through the process. But on the other side of the the storm, so to speak, what what will remain is uh, essentially Catholics and and those uh, Protestants who will convert to Catholicism. And it's and, and it's in these prophecies where when we're talking about this triumph of the Immaculate Heart period, 
where this, it's also synonymous with uh, the term we called uh, the Eucharistic reign of Jesus. That's another thing that Protestants deny, which is, I mean, it's right there in Scripture when Jesus said, he, he who does not eat of, eat of my body does not have everlasting life. Well, that's what the Eucharist is in the Catholic Church. So right. <laughs> you throw that one at Protestants, you watch their heads spin, you know, and try to watch them squeamishly trying to, you know, figure out how to get their way out of that one. Oh, yes. Because they, they, act, they actually deny, you know, the, the literal presence of Jesus, which is quite interesting, too, because um, I, I will argue that in the times ahead, when everything gets really bad, food supply gets really bad, water supply gets really bad, contaminated. Sister Jan talked about this in her prophecies, too. Um, that's basically what we're going to subsist on is the body of Christ during the end times. Those yes. true followers. That, that's why the, the, the motto of my website is uh, from Scripture, where the body is, there also the eagles will gather. Okay, the body in a mystical sense, we're, we're talking about our, our Lord. So we eagles eat literally off of uh, our Lord, who is our spiritual food, just like the Hebrew children eat, you know, ate the manna out in the wilderness uh, when they were roaming around for, for 40 days. But it, And there were mystics, by the way. I, t- I spoke on, about this on last night's show. There were mystics such as Blessed Anna Emmerich, who literally lived on the Eucharist for 12 years, didn't eat anything else. No McDonald's cheeseburger, nothing. Twelve straight years, no food, no water, straight body of Jesus through the Eucharist. Good Lord. And, yeah, and it was recorded. See, what those types of things, when you have someone who purportedly is that holy or, you know, a stigmatist like Marie-Julie Zahani, what the church does is will actually hand them over to, like, a third-party me, you know, medical observer, and most of the time, most you know, mo- most of those medical and science people, you know, they're atheists or they're not Catholics. Sure. So they they, ha- they actually have to prove scientifically, okay, this is supernatural. What's going on? Now, obviously, it's pretty supernatural if you're not eating for 12 years. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, so, Blessed Anna Emmerich was the one, by the way, who Mel Gibson made that Passion of the Christ movie. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. she's the mystic that Mel Gibson followed. In writing, in writing that film. And she also spoke about this infiltration of the church. She talked about this one world religion coming. She talked about a lot of things. Yeah, by the way, uh, speaking of Mel Gibson, I can't even believe he made his way back into Hollywood after what he did. Yeah, I actually tried to contact him. Did you really? Uh, yeah, some years ago Amazing. because there was rumor, rumors that he was starting a Fatima movie. Oh. And uh, what's kind of interesting, interesting, I just had a guest on this past weekend, Dr. Holnowski. And this opens up a whole other can of worms, uh, because as I mentioned, the Catholic Church has been taken over by these Masons, these Marxists, uh, you know, often who are, who are pedophiles. And, uh, he, there's, uh, the character that was revealed this secret to, the third secret, Sister Lucia. Anyone could go on to Google right now and just t- like type in Sister Lucia Fatima. Take a look at some of the pictures pre-1958, then post-1958, and you're going to look at it and be like, that don't look like the same person. Well, he just ran some diagnostic, you know, test. He had some professional guy working on it, and indeed the results came back saying this was a fraud, an imposter. So could we be talking cloning? I mean, literally, what happened to the real sister Lucia? It's not the same person. Uh, so now we got a situation, and the reason why that's important is because that post 58, uh, sister Lucia was, was not, I'm trying to put this in layman's terms for your, for your listening audience. She, she wasn't at all following what the original Fatima message was. She was basically making it sound like, you know, the consecration of Russia was done. Everything's hunky-dory. You know, it's everything's okay type right, of thing. Right. And that's not what the, you know, the real sisters that, uh, you know, 
had a little bit more sense of urgency. She knew it was about the apostasy in the church, which several cardinals came out who read the real third secret, like Cardinal Odie, Cardinal Chiappi, uh, Father Malachi Martin came out and said it, and, and it all dealt with apostasy in the church. It dealt with a quote-unquote pope being under the control of Satan, and it wouldn't be a true pope. It would be a false pope, what we call an anti-pope. Um, so, that you know, that's what we're dealing with. What, what your Christian world would identify as Babylon, uh, so to speak, which is going to be the next step here, that, that's not going to be the Catholic Church. And that, that's what I, I'm trying to get p- conveyed to the public is don't look at the Vatican right now and say, that's Catholicism. That's not Catholicism. It's not at all what the church teaches. Uh, and again, that's why I'm not popular in the Catholic world either. It's modernism. It's a phony flavor of Catholicism, which isn't Catholicism, which is often interjected. Uh, the, the principles in this conciliar church are free, Freemasonic. It comes from the Freemasonic sect. So, um, yes. yeah. I, and to, you know, just to wrap up the whole criticism, um, you were, well, not just you, but all Catholics out there. Um, one of the other issues I believe people tend to have besides the whole pedophile thing, but I think that's actually the main issue I think most people have, but those are, you know, from people that, um, don't really know much about the religion and the Vatican and what we just talked about. But furthermore, some people even would say and have said that Catholicism is a cult. And I, I just think that's, that's a little, little too far there to say that. Um, personally, I believe something like Scientology is more leaning towards of a cult. Well, it, de- it depends on how you, like how you, how you mean it, I guess. I mean, to get back to your previous point, that's because those people, uh, shooting arrows from the outside, A, they don't really know what the Catholic Church teaches. They right. think they know that what it teaches. And then I go on and when I'm debating a Protestant and I show actually what the church teaches, like say what, for example, we worship Mary. Okay. Show me one catechism that shows me that we worship Mary. There is no one catechism. There is no one teaching. As a matter of fact, Protestants are so ignorant, they don't even realize that in the early church, there was a little sect of Catholics who was worshiping Mary, and guess what happened to them? They got excommunicated. Okay, so the Catholic Church actually took action against some purported Catholics like around the year, I forget what it was. I mean, it was in the way early church. I, don't, I can't right. remember. It was like 400 AD or whatever. So my point is we don't worship Mary. Uh, you know, praying to the saints and praying to all that it truly is found, uh, in scripture. It's truly found, uh, in the tradition of the church. Um, and I, I can just speak for myself. I got my act together through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, through praying the rosary. I wouldn't have broken from all the addictions if I didn't have, uh, her assistance. So I, you know, that's part of my story too. I'm trying to remember what the the second part. Oh, the cult, whole cult question. Well, in a, in a certain sense, you're, you're right, Michael. We are the cult of the true God. We are we are a cult. We are a cult of God. Now that's it's it's interesting because the terminology that was used at the close of Vatican II by Pope Paul VI, just to kind of summarize my point, as uh, I'm trying to convey to your listeners that we've been taken over by Freemasonry. He basically was calling out to the humanists of the world and anyone who studies and knows Freemasonry, naturalism, things along those lines, knows how intricate humanism, especially secular humanism, is and is connected with um, Freemasonry. You can find that in any lodge. And so at the close of the council in 1965, he he was making a speech, and, and, and just to kind of paraphrase it, 
he, he equated Vatican II to being representative of the cult of man. No, folks. As a Catholic, I don't want to be a part of the cult of man, which is synonymous with the Freemasons. Okay, and it's actually the second step in Satanism, as Father Hess points out. It's literally like the new Tower of Babel being constructed all over again, in which people from all religions are being, you know, making it seem like every anyone from any religion is okay. That's basically what the interfaith movement is. That's what the whole false ecumenical program of Vatican II is. You've got now cardinals saying Jews don't even have to convert to the faith when that runs contrary to Scripture. He who denies the son does not have the father. So whether it's a Jew or a Muslim or anyone, if you deny the son, when you stand before the son in the end, he's going to deny you. It's pretty, it's pretty basic. It's, it's not like complex theology. So we've got heret, we've got a heretical hierarchy. That's what it is. They're not, they're not Catholics. They're like, you're Catholic in name. That's it. And so that's why they avoid me. That's why I get blocked on Twitter by La Observatore Romano and some of the cardinals and some of the, you know, the top prelates in the church. They don't want to debate me because I know I can expose them based upon what the church uh, has always taught. So, um, yeah, I'm proud to call myself a Catholic. Um, it takes it takes some time and some study, like I said, um, on these various issues. But when you break it down, you see how. The doctrines that the, you know Protestants will try to raise—they're—they're they're in the tradition of the Church and oftentimes in Scripture, and that's what I was getting at before. The Word of God is Scripture and tradition together. Protestants just say it's Bible alone. Jesus never taught—he never taught that at, down to his apostles through the through the earliest writings of his Church. As a matter of fact, it's in Scripture. Uh, it's somewhere in Thessalonians where Saint Paul is talking about hold on to the traditions I have taught you, either by word. Or by deed, meaning written down. That's what we call oral and written tradition. Yes. So it's in scripture, actually. Uh, you know, so that, that's what happens is like, you know, Protestants seem to think I got a Bible. I open it and I'm the interpreter. No, that's why Jesus left a church. And I'll even have some Protestants say, well, Jesus never started a church. And I say, well, doesn't scripture say he started a church? <laughs> it says it right, right there. Right. Matthew, I think 16. I'm glad, 20. I'm glad I have you on to further clear up some some misunderstandings and i know it is helping some out there who were curious about this sort of thing i, I did want to ask you a little bit about father malachi martin however sure. I, however i thought i could hold off just a little bit before uh bringing him up uh to talk to you a little bit about the nfl eric have you been keeping up with them at all uh probably not as much as I should be. Uh, I did run a piece like about six months ago and it's, it's, a, it's actually a, a newer topic that I'm getting into, but, uh, essentially Freemasons started football. Uh, it came from the Freemasons. Uh, maybe, I don't know if we take a break during the show. I could probably pull up my article. I wasn't prepared uh, to speak on it, but, um, a lot of the hand gestures that are made are actually, you know, like the touchdown signal. I mean, these are all Masonic hand, hand signs. Uh, that kind of fly by. Really? Uh, most. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a Masonic game for sure. I was not even aware of that. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll occasionally watch a game, and I'm a bit perplexed by the NFL's decision for the new rules, and uh, now the introduction to male cheerleaders. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that I did. Yeah, that I did. I did cover that. Um, yeah. I mean, that we're gonna file that one under what? the whole Mas- Masonic <laughs> equality thing. You what, know, everyone's gotta on? have their share. And I, I was oh, actually my. joking around with my 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 dad about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
And I said, just just wait, they're going to have a transgender quarterback here soon. I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to get really bizarre. Well, they already mean, they already have perhaps the first woman who's going to be on the team, on a team rather. Uh, is that the kicker you're yes. talking about? Mm-hmm. So maybe they're already on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could see it. Yeah. You're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, that we're on to something there. I mean, like I said, it's it's it comes from the Freemasons, and they purport and teach, of course, liberty, equality, fraternity. That's something that Americans don't seem to get. And I, I have to keep constantly hashing this over. We were never uh, a Christian country. We were always founded largely by Freemasons. We're we're a Masonic country, uh, and uh, you know, you take a look at the back of your dollar bill, uh, even you know, you, you see pyramids and and the pledging to sure the, the new order of the ages. We're basically the blueprint country for uh, the new world order. Yeah, this is a Masonic it, republic, and the logo of the program reflects that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And Correct. you know, that's the thing. When I was talking about it last night, your lower level masons have no idea what's going on. Uh, you know, but the higher up masons, they they know that Freemasonry in the end is a Luciferian uh, sect. It's a you know religion. Thirty second, thirty third degree masons. You know, that's that's when you're kind of like really in the club and you really know what's going on. Right. And you basically can't be a world leader without being in the club, so to speak. So and I personally think yeah, and I without owning someone. Yeah, so I mm-hmm. think Trump is a 33rd degree Scottish Freemason. I think Fra- uh, Pope Francis, he's really an anti-pope. I don't even like using that word, right. Pope, but Francis is a high-ranking Freemason. You've got uh, that knucklehead over there, the Kim Jong-un guy. He comes from a long line of <laughs> yes. Freemasons. The Erdo guy, the Erdogan guy is a crypto Jew. He gives all kinds of Masonic hand signs. Well, what's the other knucklehead there in Germany? Merkel. I, you don't get to be one of these guys unless you're not in the club. And then you had uh, Macron, the, the France leader. He came over here to the United States in the past two months. I don't know if you saw those pictures. And uh, the short video I posted where he's pl- he said, you know, between the United States and France, we have got a great opportunity to build a new world order. And you see everyone clapping, including Trump, and he's giving the Bahamut sign out in the, you know, out on the um, the balcony there with Trump. I'm like, listen, you know, I don't, just don't understand how people could be that delusional to think that there wouldn't be some type of conspiracy to usher in, you know, this Antichrist figure. It just it blows my mind. Like people just don't. I don't think they want to just have to deal with reality, period, most of right. them. Right. You know? A lot of them are, are somewhat already brainwashed. They're already pre-programmed. Lots of them are, as Father Malachi Martin would say, perfectly possessed. Yeah, that's an, that's another area that's well said. You know, the brainwashing aspect between, you know, the GMOs and probably all the beefaroni they're eating is just not not a whole lot's clicking up there. You know, it's, it's we really are a dumbed-down society. As Charlotte Isabet, who's been on my program a lot, has uh, said, and she was a former head. Of, I think she was a former head of education under Reagan. She's been on my show several times, and she's written a lot of books on this. I've had Dr. Duke Pesta cover this as well. Common Core. Yeah, we're being integrated into the, the new world order, and right. people don't even realize it. What they think it's normal. Like they think like this is the natural progression that we should move into, and they don't realize that they're going to be they're going to have to be subservient to. Uh, this Antichrist figure. You're right. And, and, and it's scary. Right. And to further tag on to that, do you believe there is a war against male masculinity in this country, Eric? Oh, yeah, without a clout, uh, without a doubt. I mean, like you said, uh, you know, just kind of taking a look at the nightly news or commercials or, 
even some of the, the posters and, and billboards that you're seeing going up in Europe, you know, the feminization of, uh, men. I'm trying to think of the guests who I had on recently. Yeah, Doctor. This comes from Dr. the extreme. Doctor Duncan. He's probably right. And we are seeing a lot of this from the extreme left. I, oh, I yeah. truly believe. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, Dr. Duncan was his name. He had a great guest. I had him on for an hour. We talked about that. But it's also in the foods that we eat, too, and a lot of the things that we just ingest into our body, which are actually feminizing guys, giving them, you know, like male boobs and lowering their testosterone levels. And even I think it's plastics. If you drink a lot of plastics, there's a lot of stuff that will make you go sterile. Right, in the water. I mean, they're, they're doing this stuff all on purpose uh, to kind of probably try to create some just some type of neuter person, you know, <laughs> try to get us all down to some, you know, Manhattan project. It is interesting, though, and I'm glad you, you did talk about that on your program because it is a very interesting and fascinating subject. Uh, to talk about seeing how society has been changing. We're seeing uh, this country so divided. Never before has it ever been like this. And it, it, it's truly astonishing to see all sorts of different factions uh, feuding with each other. You're seeing all these riots in the streets. It's almost like end times in a way. It is. And we, we are. There's not, like I said, there's not a whole lot left that the New World Order has to get accomplished, uh, before this guy comes onto the scene. The next major thing will be the economic collapse, the stock market crash here in the West. Again, I've had on some of the top name guests in the economic world. They all say it's imminent, excuse me, including Lynette Zhang, who came on my show this past year and said it will happen 100% by the end of this year. I personally don't think that now. I don't think right. it's going to happen. Uh, that's my own personal take, and but she's you know very well respected. I should be getting her back on soon. But once that happens, per Matreya's writings, he says he'll shortly arrive onto the scene. He's first going to show up here in the United States, by the way, and give his first major speech on international TV here in the United States. So we're going to literally see the biblical Antichrist, in my opinion, first here. And I don't know how you want to quantify shortly, oh whether that's a few months. I don't know if it's a year or two. Uh, you know, as, as people are kind of, you know, like it, it, we're going to turn into another Venezuela or Greece. We'll be digging through garbage cans, you know, shooting zoo animals, probably shooting each other. I mean, unfortunately, I, I hate to make it sound like that. There'll probably be an awful lot of cannibalism. I mean, that's what they want. They want that's what the New World Order motto is. Freemason, Freemason, uh, Freemasonry's motto out of chaos comes order. Yes. And Eric, so they, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but. We are coming up to a break here, and I thought we could both use a little break before we jump back into several of these topics that uh, you wanted to uh, cover here, uh, especially about the Antichrist some more, and of course, some uh, more questions from the listeners out there I got. And sure. Yeah. So just um, hang tight, and, and we'll be right back, Eric. We'll, oh, damn, mute button. Sorry about that. Forgot I had you on mute there, Eric. I'm sorry. That's all right. Was that the whole time we were on mute? No, 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 not the whole time. Just right now, I I thought you said something. No, 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 no. I didn't say anything. Okay, no. yes, but yeah, just hang tight and and we'll be right back. All right, I'm gonna grab a glass of water. All right, perfect. Thank you. 
and welcome back to the program. I'm here with Eric. What's going on? I'm doing pretty good, Michael. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I enjoyed that little break there. Yes, me too. Need a little glass of water, and uh, hopefully we'll get rolling back into. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to cover. I did. I did want to cover why people are wrong on Francis being the biblical false prophet. As I mentioned, it's Protestant yes. saying it, but it's also Catholic saying it now too, and it's it's not true. Yeah, let's get into that. Okay, so I did uh, an article uh, some months ago talking about this because there's certain characteristics from what these early church fathers said, and even from Scripture, too, as to how how this biblical false uh, prophet character would be, one of which, and it's only six, I, I broke it down to six, it could have made it more elaborate, but just to, just to give you an idea, uh, from Scripture and the esteemed theologians of the church, they say that the biblical false prophet, right, who's going to be the the uh Robin to the Batman, he's going to be, you know, his, his sidekick. He's going to have the ability to stir up false signs and wonders in the world, but specifically they make mention of him being able to cause fire to fall from the heavens. Okay, now I'm going to put this bluntly, and I'm going to try to say this without being sarcastic. Do you honestly see the person of Francis calling down fire from heaven anytime soon? Um <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I always say he reads like a, a Sunday morning comic. He's he's more hilarious. Well, what he has to say, it's almost like, did he really say that and mean it type of thing? Uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if he can even get his shoes tied in the morning. And again, I think he's, you know, the reason why I'm so blunt with him, I really truly believe that he's a wolf and he knows he's a wolf. He's a Freemasonic, high-ranking Freemason. He knows what he's doing, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I can't subjectively judge his soul as the church teaches, but... When he, the church teaches, by the way, if you suspect someone of being a Freemason, you avoid them. So in other words, okay. he's a wolf in sheep's clothes. That's it. Okay. So but anyway, but he, he's like kind of goofy. Like even some of the liberals don't even like him, which is bad. And by the way, oh, yeah. I, I wanted to make this point before I get into the second point, uh, talking about, you know, you, you said your listeners, well, they don't like Catholicism because of, you know, the whole pedo thing. And again, the pedo thing is largely comes from the Freemasons, which have infiltrated the church and the Marxists. Uh, but what people don't realize is Benedict was sort of in the process of getting things squared away in that area. And this very uber liberal left wing new age mafia, they literally call themselves a mafia, Saint, Saint Gallian mafia ousted him. Okay. They got rid of him. He didn't actually really resign as mainstream media said, like on his own. He was coerced to leaving. And this was admitted by their top leaders, Cardinal Martini, Cardinal Daniels. Cardinal Martini, by the way, was a 33rd degree Freemason when once he died, the Freemasons, uh, you know, basically showed up at his funeral and had a big shin bag for him. Like it wasn't any hidden knowledge that he wasn't a Freemason. So my, my point is that that's where they are. They're embedded in the Vatican. So, again, I'm trying to paint the picture. Don't look at the Vatican and say, oh, that's Catholicism. Uh, because I'm looking at it and saying, well, I don't want to be that either because they're modernists. They're not Catholics. <laughs> That's the whole point. Um, so uh, the second thing is, as it relates to Francis not being a biblical false pro- prophet, is we, we know that he's going to be the one that is going to set up the Antichrist image, what everyone calls the abomination of desolation, right? It's in Scripture. Uh, and Father Barry records this on page 138 of his very important uh, writing on the apocalypse. And that hasn't been done yet. There, there's no, you know, setting up of, of, of statues in any place on, on the large scale. I actually do know of some churches and people will email me. It's happening in some areas in Asia. 
you know, that Maitreya Buddha statue. That's essentially what it's going to be, by the way, like that Maitreya Buddha statue that they, they have out there, um, you know, in the far eastern countries. Right. And by the way, by AI technology, that image will come to life. And that's where I bring on Anthony Patch onto my program because that's where artificial intelligence and yes. all the technology, that, that image will literally come to life at one point, as Scripture says. Um, go ahead. Did you want to say something before? I, I could just ramble on. Oh, no. That. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to <laughs> later bring up uh, the miracle of Fatima, but we, we could say that for later. Yeah, I want to cover that, too, because that, that actually – uh, helps me to refute L.A. Marzulli's claim that Fatima was uh, demonic, and uh, I can share with you a personal I had a, story about yeah, that. Yeah, I had a feeling you would bring him up, so I thought I could sort yeah. of uh, silently, silently, you know, yeah. make sure that in there. Well, we'll get we'll get into that <laughs> after this. The third is he actually hasn't established these new sacraments which are coming. When he shows up, one one of them is going to be this counterfeit baptism, which everyone commonly calls the mark of the beast where everyone is going to basically have to sign seal and deliver their soul over to the devil of course you know the microchip is is a part of that process but that hasn't happened yet uh the fourth and i'm moving very quickly here i could talk probably like 10 minutes on each point but i I know we got i mean you you know certain certain corporations have introduced the whole microchip but not it's not that um mainstream yet right exactly it's still pretty much in uh trial and error type phase yes i agree yeah no doubt about it Mm -hmm. but we're moving in that direction with all the you know the facial recognition payment systems they have now on your phone just look at your damn yeah just look at your damn phone wow exactly my goodness uh the fourth is up until this point we know the false prophet is going to point to the Antichrist and get everyone to wonder after him, but then also basically to fa- follow him and worship him. So my question is, if if Francis is the true false prophet, who is the Antichrist? Have you seen him point the finger at anyone and say, okay, this guy needs to be, you know, he's our leader, he's our go-to guy? You know, I mean, who, who has he done that to? What world leader? There, there is none, because he hasn't. So that's another significant sign to indicate that he's not the biblical false prophet. Uh, fifth is... Uh, what's going to be very interesting here is he's probably going to quote unquote resign again. I hold him as an anti-pope, a false pope, so you can't resign from an office that you don't truly have. Uh, but anyway, there's talk of him resigning. So if he quote unquote resigns, that's really going to kill the whole proposition that he's the biblical false prophet because I mean, nothing would have happened. The Antichrist wouldn't have showed up. The mark of the beast wouldn't have happened. You see what I'm saying? So right. I'm trying to establish yes. some some logical steps here to conclude how he's not the one. Now, six, uh, and building off an earlier comment, as I mentioned, uh, he hasn't established the mark of the beast. He's going to be the literal one to do that, uh, to get everyone to uh, – and by the way, too, I don't know if you saw this show on. It was yesterday. I saw it right before I was doing a, a media appearance last night. The History Channel had a big show on the last pope, and uh, I've done – Talks on this numerous times, and I see Protestants butchering it. I think the Horn guys, you know, butcher this completely. The Petru, Petrus Romanus, or what I call in my book Peter II, first of all, is a good and holy pope coming who's going to restore the church. He's not an evil pope, as they're making it out to say. Secondarily, the whole St. Malachi, uh, Malachi prophecies, according to most or at least some historians, well-esteemed uh, theologians, historians, is dubious. It's, it's, it's bogus. Uh, so I know a lot of people use that. I used to use it. I try not to use it anymore. 
uh, just because it is kind of more dubious in nature. But nevertheless, there is going to be a good and holy pope who is going to turn things around in the world during or right around the time of uh, the, you know, in the, uh, of the Antichrist during the tribulation. So Peter too, or Petrus Romanus is a good pope. So please, you can't, you know, this is, this is where you have people who are looking from the outside in and they're trying to interpret Catholic prophecy and they're trying to interpret Catholic doctrine. And, and if you're not a Catholic, you just, you're, you're not going to get it right. So unfortunately. Right. And it doesn't help though that the Vatican has been unable to sort of systematically change anything in their organization and get out from under these horrific scandals that keep, um, occurring and repetitively here. <clears throat> Well, I mean, I would argue, Michael, that they're doing it on purpose, though, as I oh, mentioned. My. They're, they're, yeah. try, they're I hope trying not. to put yeah. the Catholic, they're I, trying to put the Catholic Church to shame. I pers- mean, to personally, I, I don't like to think that about humans, you know. I, I try to think in the most positive ways about some people, but that's just not the reality of nature, of the, na- of nature of, of, of man. Man, yeah. man mostly is wolf to man. We see this time and time again. Um, man lies, cheats, and and hurts others. It, it's just something in our nature. We are all animalistic in a way. Right. Well, that all stems back to the church's teaching on original sin. We're all born into original sin. Right. And unless you're you're baptized, you have you don't have an opportunity of getting uh, to heaven. So by the way, I'm ag- by the way I'm ag- agnostic for those out there wondering. Um, I, I don't. Uh, well, I'm an, an agnostic atheist to be honest with you. Just to be blunt. No, yeah, that's fine. I know Rex. I, I've done a leak project. I think Rex is. I mean, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I know Rex identified himself as an agnostic at one point. So, but I don't. The, uh, part of me doesn't completely disagree with with some of the teaching. Some of it's just common sense. Well, it is. It's meant to be logical. Right. And uh, the most common sense theologian, if you if you want to get common sense of Catholicism, just pick up anything that Saint Thomas Aquinas wrote, the Summa Theologica. Just read that. Make that your next. Uh, reading Michael and you'll say, yeah. okay, like, like I get, like I I'm get it now. He very, he very logically explains religion, you know, from, from start to finish. But then what he does is very brilliant. He'll purport like some teaching and then he'll, he'll, uh, give three counterpoints or three counter arguments. Like, okay, this person will say this and then he refutes each and every one very uh-huh. logically, very clear mm-hmm. so that you can understand why the Catholic church is the true church, you know, and just basic doctrines on, on on morality and all that good stuff. So yeah, I recommend the Summa Theologica. Um, it's a monster book. No doubt. Though. Be, no doubt. Be prepared to read. <laughs> yes, but, and uh, and and um, we are coming to a close here, though, Eric. So definitely, you know, l- let's get into whatever else you wanted to talk about. And of course, I did want to mention your show yet again. You've been doing lots of great work on your website. Your a Tradcat Night project that you are um, fully, you're fully engaged with with this project. They're going to be doing all sorts of different things. You're going to be relaunching your website, if I recall. It's it's already relaunched. We're we're open now for okay, business. You're, so okay, you're relaunched. Yeah, what I did is I, I switched over. It was on a blog page. It was as a, a blogspot.com. Now it's tradcatnight.org. Okay, so all you have to do is just add the org to it. it makes it a little bit more simpler. Simple, but it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, more community based. It's new and improved. I've got chat rooms. I've got links explaining, you know, why Vatican II is wrong. You know, I, I mean, just, it's, it's so much more interactive. 
uh, you know, with the live chats and I allow, actually allow comments because on most, most of my websites I don't allow comments because there's just too much trolling. Too I'm much on it now, by the way. Yeah. I like it. And so, and so, uh, you know, ultimately in the end, I, I believe it will be integrated to what I believe God is calling me to do in terms of, uh, starting an order in the future when things are at its bleakest, uh, I guess you could put it. So we've got no formal, Approval by the church yet for obvious reasons. Can you imagine if I went to Francis and said, hey. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's going to work. (laughs) So, yeah, but I mean, everything's there. You know, all the live call-on shows are are backlogged there. We got the, the, my, I'm going to start the special guest podcast shows back up in September. And it's real cheap. You know, it's 15 cents a day, five bucks. I, I've had everyone renew so far. Like I said, it's, we're a shade, uh, we're, I think it's like five weeks in now and I haven't, I haven't had one person not renew yet. So we've got a hundred percent renewal rate. Oh my. And uh, good. Every, everyone loves it. Very you know? good. So, um, you did want to talk about, did you want to cover the miracle of Fatima oh, really yeah. quickly? I mean, I could cover that yeah. in like five, ten minutes. Let's, let's go. talk about the miracle of Fatima of, I believe, October of 1917. If, if I, if, if that's accurate, is it? Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I knew, I, I think, um, how should I put this? Well, let's just start with Marzulli, I guess, first. Oh, first yes. Let, let's get let me, into that. Let me, let me backtrack with Uh-oh. that. Uh-oh. Um, you know, I had him on my program. Let's see. It was probably six months before he released that whole thing. And I didn't know he was working on it. He didn't tell me he was working on it. And he was one of my guests. He was on my show. We were talking about the Nephilim and, you know, all Red-headed kinds of stuff. Red-headed giants, yes. <laughs> yeah, giants. The Afghan giant. Yeah, that, that's what it was. And so we, we were talking off air beforehand for about an hour, and within the first, like, five minutes or so, he brought that up. Well, his, his general statement was, um, well, you know, most of these Marian apparitions are, are false. And I said that's actually true because most of them are false. I mean, the church teaches that typically, like, one out of every thousand is an authentic, you know, Marian apparition site, especially the modern ones because – the modern ones, you know, the seers are saying, you know, all religions are good or they're saying, I mean, it, it completely runs contrary to Catholic teaching. The Blessed Virgin Mary isn't saying any of that stuff. Correct. So that's, so that's what I always look for is with, you know, what the seers are saying that the Virgin Mary supposedly said. And once you see it contradicts tradition, you know, it's bogus. So anyway, so he, he starts talking about, uh, Fatima and he said, well, well, you know, this one's false too. And I said, why so? So he, he starts going into it and he starts going to his whole spiel like he did in his documentary. You know, it's, you know, it was demonic and blah, blah, blah. I said, I said, LA, your premise doesn't even make sense. First of all, up, building up until that point of the miracle, uh, of, of the sun, which is commonly called in the Catholic world, people were mocking, you know, the girls, uh, the Freemasons were actually trying to get a hold of, uh, the seers as well. They were persecuted by the Masons in the area. Uh, and people showed up that day. It was about a hundred thousand people, and most of them were atheists. They were Masons, and they were there to, to mock them. I mean, it wasn't necessarily predominantly Catholic. And guess what? They saw it. They saw, and they converted to the church. So the Blessed Virgin Mary said she was going to give this sign unto man, and it basically, you know, the day the sun danced, as it recalled, and some people who were there thought it was going to be the end of the world. I mean, the sun really started flipping out to such a level where. You know, even atheists got on their knees and they started praying because they really thought it was the end. That's how crazy it got. So he's he's trying to make the case that it was demonic, but from we know from what we know from scripture, how does how does Satan cast out Satan? He he can't divide his own kingdom. He, the devil wouldn't want atheists and Freemasons in the Catholic Church or to convert to Christianity. And so he just sat and he says, 
He didn't offer me anything. And, and we went kind of point by point, and he didn't say anything to what I had to say. I was like, and I didn't know at that time. Had I known he was making that documentary, I was going to be, you're going to, you're going to look really stupid, LA, oh, putting that out there. Cause then I had to come out in public and I do these shows and I have to say where he's wrong. And I would debate him any day of the week on any public show on these points. Uh, he, he probably doesn't, he doesn't stand a chance. He probably wouldn't do that though. No, I know he wouldn't do that because he's a coward. A lot of these guys uh, that are very passionate about a subject, once you really sit down and talk to them and sort of just bring up a few different points and question them just just a tad, you'll get so much resistance. And that's when you start to realize that some of these people, well, they're not exactly accurate with a lot of what they're saying. Well, that's that's just it, you know, and I, I kind of put it out there kind of a little bit sarcastically. Like, I don't know if he was, you know, short on rent. He needed mortgage money. I mean, he needs something to throw out to the public because Fatima is obviously a very hot topic. And the third secret, obviously, is very hot. But, again, when you don't know what you're talking about, you know, and you just start, you know, you're already going into a subject with anti-Catholic big, bigotry. You're, you're going to start just pulling anything out. So, you know, you know, listen, why would if it was demonic? Why would the, you know, the devil who, according to, you know, a lot of Protestants, you know, acting through Mary, warn people about the apostasy in the church? Why would she be warning about a coming one world religion? Why would she, why would she warn soul, that most souls were going to hell and she warned about all the immodest fashions of our time and how a lot of the marriages these days that we, we, you know, like the, Divorce rates like 50% in the Catholic Church. I mean, she predicted all this stuff. She forewarned us of this stuff for a reason. The devil doesn't do that. The devil wants you to go to hell. He, he wants you, you know, from a theological standpoint, not to come to truth. He, he doesn't want you to know there's Masons and Marxists in the Vatican. Why would he, why would the devil do that? So he, he's got no leg to stand on, you know, with his arguments other than, you know, I think this, you know, it, you know, it was demonic and, it, you know, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, there's nothing. Hey, there's no nothing scientific to 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 prove what he's trying to say. Because actually, science actually prove it. And, and by the, the way, exact opposite. By the way, Eric, have you talked to him since this um, conversation? No, I haven't. I haven't messaged him at all. But you know, I, I go. I do a lot of these shows, and I kind of talk to like obvious friends of his. Uh, and and uh, so I'm sure okay. it, it may have gotten back. You know, I'm sure it's gotten back to him because I've done videos on it and. uh you know, I've called him out. I've even done a, a, a blog on it, calling him out on all his errors. And, you know, you know, how, how does, how does, how does one try to refute the arguments that I just said? You can't because atheists and Freemasons don't, don't convert to Christianity because, uh, it was, you know, some kind of, you know, demonic disc in the sky. That's true. I mean, you know, you got a point that doesn't there. happen. That, that happens by grace, by, by grace alone. I mean, I, I'm the first one to know that because at a certain point, like I said, I couldn't stand religion in general. I, I didn't even doubt in a God at one point, you know, when I kind of hit rock bottom. So it took, it took prayer. It took grace, you know, and unfortunately, I'm very blunt when I say it, you know, these poor people who speak in such fashion, they're cut off. They're cut off from God. They can't see. They don't have the grace that they're talking about. You know, and I, and I'm, I'm just very blunt with Protestants who come up to me and they tell me they're, they're full of the Holy Ghost and blah, blah, blah. Jesus was at their bedside in the morning and here they are, you know, rambling and running their mouth off, you know, uh, you know, about the teachings of the church or on purgatory. I'm like, no, the Holy Ghost is not in you. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, <laughs> are you, are you sure? Cause I've, I've had several people say some, some things like that, like God talks to them and so forth and so forth. And I'm thinking, are you sure that's God? 
<laughs> no, it's 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 them trying to convince themselves that uh they're okay with God, but unfortunately, like I said, you know, truth truth is truth and uh it, it takes time investigating and uh you know, I encourage everyone to, to, to again, to get to the website, tradcatnight.org, because, you know, I, I post a lot of stuff on Fatima, especially with the secret of Fatima. Yeah, lots of information uh, on your website. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's information uh, overload. I mean, I've actually had some people say, you know, to slow it down a little bit, and I'm trying <laughs> trying to get out as much as I can so that I can paint a very vibrant picture that this is where we're at. I mean, we're in those times that, that Jesus warned about, so, you know, I've got the daily – the middle section there, the timeline, I got like 20 plus blogs on a daily basis. It's, it's more like a newspaper. It reads more like a newspaper. And, you know, again, it's interactive. I got the Twitter feed along the right hand side. There's a lot of clickable images, resources. Like if you want to find out more about the apostasy in the church, there's clickable links. And, uh, you know, I really hope that some of, some of your people who are of goodwill, you know, will come over. Cause I, I have, like I said, I have Protestants. I have people who, are just kind of like neutral on everything. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll come and check it out and they're interested in Planet X or prophecy or just end times in general and just kind of take it from there. Yeah, they're all fascinating subjects and everyone out there always wants to learn something new. Uh, sometimes you get Catholics or Christians and, and they'll check out something they're opposed to and perhaps they'll like it even. And, and that's when opinions on certain things change. Yeah, that's all you can do is just, you know, kind of plant those seeds that's and, you, uh, you know, that, that's all you can really do. It takes time, you know, like I said, to arrive at the conclusion that I have. For sure. I believe, I believe that I just, I have, I've had more time to be able to look into these subjects, whereas people who do their nine to five, maybe they, they can only get an hour in a day. I mean, I, I can, you know, put eight to 10 hours in on a daily basis to, to not only study the faith, to, to, to have arrived at the truth in terms of what the church has truly taught and why it's the true religion. But I'm, I'm talking about all these other issues too, you know, whether it's, you know, on prophecy or planet X or this or that. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. It, it's very educational. I think you'll find if you come to my website. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, fantastic information. And um, Eric, I, I hate to do this, but we are coming to a, a very, very near end to the interview. But I was curious, outside of, of church and um, all, all the studying and all the research being done, what, what other things are, are you into, Eric? Uh, I mainly read. I do, like I said, a lot of writing, working on my book. Uh, I actually like to write a lot of poetry. So I actually have a, a decent amount of poetry that's kind of follows my journey you know my spiritual journey from from where i was to who you know where i am today but yeah i'm still trying to get back into sports a little bit i just picked up a basketball the other day like i said i was really good you know in college um you know probably like considered to be like the top college athlete when when i was in school the coach wanted me to or the uh, athletic director wanted me to stay and coach at the university before i, I packed up and moved so Sports has always been kind of, you know, in my life. I, I like to watch football too, just like probably most people, you know, on Sunday, there, you know, there's nothing evil or, or sinful, you know, about that. But, um, you know, you have to be careful about distractions. You, you don't want to, you know, like if, if your team loses and, and, and you're crying at the end of it, then you know, you got a problem. Yeah. yeah that's too much. <laughs> you're detached. You need some help. Yes. You need some help. And I used to be like that, by the way. I was, oh, no. I was really into it. Um, you know, way back when, but, uh, yeah, so sports, you know, I enjoy walking, you know, reading, writing, 
Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty simple. It's, it's not very overly, I'm not very overly complex and I'm so, I'm so busy with the, with the, with the website yeah, and answering questions. It, it takes over. I really have a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. It consumes you for sure. And that happens even doing this program. I don't, I don't do it too often yet. It, it completely takes over my life. I have to say. Yes. And one thing, if I could add, uh, to outside of the website, tradcatnight.org, uh, I, I hope you all get to my YouTube channel, uh, Tradcat Night, because starting in September, I'm going to start doing webcam live streams, so you'll be able to see me, and then you can, you know, like, ask the questions and stuff like that. It's all new to me, but I was on, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, uh, Pete McCarthy from Creepy Little Book, Michael. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his stuff, but he covers, like, New World Order stuff and sort of like esoteric yeah. stuff too. Very, I very, I would say kind mm-hmm. of similar stuff to what I think you cover. I don't believe I have heard of, of this gentleman. Yeah, check, check out YouTube, uh, creepy little book. I was on his show. Oh. You actually see my interview. It was from like two, well, maybe two days ago. And that went really well. You know, most I'll of, check most it out. Of, yeah. Yeah. He's you know, actually a Catholic, but he, he, like he, he covers it all too, basically. It's very similar to what I do. And, uh, you know, he runs that whole live chat thing. And so he was, Kind of explain it to me. But anyway, I'm going to be doing that starting in September. So that's another reason why you're going to want to subscribe so you can get these live chats. And I'm going to be bringing on guests, you know, talking about Planet X, talking about prophecy, all the big name guests. So you guys can sit down, you know, interact, ask the questions, and hopefully that'll, you know, make, make for a good evening for people who don't want to necessarily sit in front of the TV, you know, for a few hours. So fantastic. Well, Eric, it's been an honor and pleasure to speak to you once again. And we'll have to do this again in the near future. Absolutely, Michael. Appreciate it. All right, Eric. Well, once again, go ahead and plug the main website and perhaps give us one last final word before you venture off. Sure. Okay. The website's tradcatnight.org. Hope to see you all there. It's $5 a month. Works out to be 15 cents a day. Again, all types of people are there. I'm accessible to you. If you've got questions, you can email me at apostleofmaryhotmail.com. And truly, in the end, uh, you know, I, I just want to reiterate that, you know, we as Catholics, um, we, we know for the most part what's about to happen, uh, so to speak, with the church. I'm talking about real Catholics. I'm not talking about those following Vatican II that just, they don't get it. Um, and so I do my best as a part of my apostolate to keep people in faith and hope. So when I use the eagle as a symbology, which, by the way, it, it stems back to Catholic herald, heraldry. Back in the good old medieval times, this uh, symbol was used in the Catholic Church, and then the Freemasons ripped it off. I always get accused of being a Freemason because I have a <laughs> double-headed eagle. I'm yes. like, come on, seriously, dude? Uh, so, no, I'm not a Freemason. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that the Freemasons, uh, stole that symbol, Scottish Freemasonry. I get accused, I get accused every other day of being a CIA agent and a Freemason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. God. I get all, all kinds of things. It's hard to keep up with some of the accusations, but, um, yeah, so the double-headed eagle stands for, uh, represents both church and state, because according to the Catholic religion, they are married. This whole idea of separation in church and state is a Masonic ideal, which of course we find here in this country, because I've already explained how we are a Masonic country, not a Christian country. Word. Uh, and, uh, the bottom line is, uh, we want to remain in faith and hope. That's the message of Fatima. Yeah, all these bad things are going to happen. It's all meant for the conversion of mankind. It's all to draw you closer to God, and and oftentimes, I mean, you could just, you know, even for me, uh, Michael, when I was going through everything that I went through and I got hit with everything all at once, it was necessary because at that point I was so prideful 
Yeah. That was the only thing that was going to get me to turn around was just to get bombarded by everything all at once. And so the that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is the pain. Everything is going to implode. Right. Yeah. And, you, you uh, first you had to suffer to return, which which is good. Exactly. So kind of like the yeah, kind of like the the, the story of the, uh, the prodigal son in, in in scripture. I mean, suffer you realize you're wrong, yeah. and, and you're 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 meant to come back basically. So mm-hmm. that's what God has to do. He's got to unfortunately take out the rod of correction here and. You know, we're, we're, I, I just liken it to a great storm coming. We are eagles. We're meant to keep our wings spread in faith and hope. And, you know, if you don't keep your wings spread, what happens to an eagle if he jumps off a cliff and doesn't keep his wings spread? He's, he's going to crash and burn, right? Splash. So, so that's what is, that's what you find in all these Marian apparitions over and over again, Michael, is only faith and hope will survive. That's literally one of the last lines that our Lady Lasslet says during our end times. Only faith and hope will survive. So the, the the wings of the eagle are faith and hope, and the eyes are charity. Our eyes are, stay wide in charity, to, you know, to stay locked in on truth, if you will. And so I agree. Uh, and, and by the way, um, bef- one last thing is David D still doing your artwork. I actually asked him to do a Matreya piece for for me some time ago, and I I had him on the program. I don't know if you saw us, but I. No, you wouldn't have seen it because it's only on my my uh, special guest podcast section. I actually did a a live call-in show. If, if anyone's interested, again, you got to get to the to the website tradcatnight.org. He was on with Patrick Wood from Technocracy uh, News, and uh, he came on and we started talking. He's he's changed a little bit. He's like, very last time. he's so invasive with me. Um, with me, I'm not quite sure why. I did well, invite him. Did. Yeah, I invited him be, to be a guest on the program, and he told me he he was a little nervous. Well. Like, I don't I'm like, know how what? to explain it. I, I didn't, <laughs> I don't know. Something might happen in his life to where he just, he really doesn't want to talk about the he new doesn't. world order anymore. He really doesn't. Yeah. And it was strange because I didn't know that, like going into the interview. So like I had all these questions lined up yeah. and, you know, to ke- kind of keep the talk going. And you know, like he didn't want to talk about any of this stuff. So I was like, you know, what in the world do I talk about? Well, he wanted to talk about his rabbit and his garden. And oh, it was just like, no. it was very awkward. Isn't it confusing? Uh, That's confusing to hear because like, again, I, I did invite, invite him to be uh, interviewed here one on one and he was a little uncomfortable. So I said, what if I bring in Jim Fetzer? Would that make you less uncomfortable? And then he said no because he really likes Jim and he doesn't want to uh, say something that would I don't know. He said something along those lines, and I just thought, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe he's just going through something, you know. Perhaps, I mean, like, yeah. you know, maybe he's, you know, it's just something going on in his life, and I, you know, I don't want to judge him on that. But he, he just, from when I last had him on over a year ago, he just like changed tremendously. Where he doesn't want to talk about New World Order, he doesn't want to talk about Paul. I mean, he didn't want to talk about any of the stuff that we talked about before, and I didn't know that going to the interview. So it was like we ended up talking about how he was, he, he talks to his orange and, oh, and, and animate objects and stuff, and it was like. I was like a little taken back to where like I didn't I didn't really know even how to proceed in in the interview. I don't blame you. I probably would have ended it pretty shortly. Yeah. Well, you know, I stuck it out and I kind of rolled with the with the punches and uh, you know he was he was a good sport you know in the end. But yeah, I was just it was was definitely very awkward. And uh, I think he said that he was just going to be working on his cryptocurrency. Like his cartoons going forward would be going to be. Just about cryptos, basically, not like really anything else. So that's why he basically denied me because I wanted him to do a Matreya piece for me, the guy that I think is the Antichrist. And or, yeah. He kind of shot that down. So, mm. yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with our friend David Dees over there, but whatever it is, hopefully he gets over it. 
Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I like, you know, he's a good guy, but, um, you know, we obviously disagree in certain areas. It almost seems like he got like very like metaphysical and new age-ish too. Like he was all about like vibes and like, uh, har- harmonious and like, I mean, I don't know. I don't even That's remember what, what happens. Was before. That's what happens. I <laughs> so I think, I think he kind of dabbled into the new age or, or something. Yeah, I, I'm not quite in. sure, but you get sucked into that. Trust me, I, I'm out here near LA, so, you know, I've lost many friends to that. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, so Eric, once again, thank you so much for spending so much time here on the program. I know it's been a long day for both of us, so once again, thank you so much, and we'll do it again next time, and I'll see you on the flip side, Eric. All right, take care now, All buddy. Right, good night. And that was my guest, Eric Gajewski. Fantastic guest, and of course, if you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. brand new day all the way from the wastelands of california my name is michael and i look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation first time listeners turn on tune in and drop out this is a very different kind of show a place where we don't feel so alone let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe i do admire you for your curiosity live and direct right now on the tune in radio app Search End of Days or go to michaeldeacon.com. My guest tonight is John Lear. He is a retired airline captain and former CIA pilot, as well as the son of the famous inventor of the Lear jet. He is a former Lockheed captain and is highly regarded in aviation circles. He has flown over 150 aircraft and earned every certificate granted by the Federal Aviation Administration. John also held 18 world speed records and has worked for 28 different aircraft corporations during the late 1980s and early 1990s. John began coming forward with some startling revelations concerning the subject of aerial phenomenon and unidentified flying objects. Right now, I do have Mr. John Lear on the line. Let's bring him in. How are you, sir? Hey, pretty good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I can't complain. Thank you for being here again, John. I do appreciate your time on the program. My pleasure. The last time we talked was about perhaps eight months ago, and I felt it was time for a little bit of an update with you, John. So uh, how are you? Are, are you okay? Everything going well for you on your side of the desert? Well, I'm still alive. Uh, you know, I'm, I have a few medical problems, but uh, I'm not dead yet. Yes, that's a good thing. And um, I, I did want to give Mr. Jim Fetzer's best regards to you. He was on last night, and he was very excited that you were going to be on the program once again, and he wanted to say hello to you. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, I haven't talked to him for a couple 
couple weeks. Yes, he, he always puts you over when he comes on to the program. So, uh, John, just for a little reminder for those who are new out there and never have heard of you, I thought we could go back uh, just to your roots for a, a few moments here before we dive into things further. And, okay. of course, being who your father was, would you say you followed, followed in his footsteps? Uh, not exactly. He was... Uh uh, an entrepreneur, he, uh, in 1930, he was making, um, radios with Paul Galvin, and Paul Galvin, uh, uh, they decided to, uh, split up, uh, yeah, and my dad, their techniques for, uh, for stopping it. Yeah, that was very strange. Um, not quite sure why the call just dropped there, but we are back, and what we were discussing before that call dropped was uh, the roots of everything, and I had asked you if you were following in your father's footsteps, and you said, uh, not quite. Go ahead. No, he was an entrepreneur and uh, and designer. He uh, uh, had his own company called Wheeler Incorporated, which he sold in 1962 to Siegler. And in 1956, he was interested in uh, building an airplane, actually modifying a Lockheed 18 transport, uh, and he put on bigger engines and a few uh, additions, and it became one of the very first uh, executive uh, twin-engine transports. It was called the Learstar, and uh, then in 1958, uh, he wanted to build a... Uh, a twin-engine, uh, another twin-engine airplane, and it actually started out as a twin-engine pusher uh, with propellers, and Mitsubishi was going to build it. But then it evolved into a twin-engine jet and uh, became the Learjet. Uh, we lived in Switzerland at the time, and he was going to try and build it there, uh, but when he got to uh, got to going, uh, the, the Swiss weren't uh, as aggressive. We were. Uh, they didn't uh, have anything that they were turning out uh, two or three hundred uh, types a year. <clears throat> so he moved all the to- tooling and engineering to Wichita, Kansas, where he had his pick of engineers. And uh, that was in 1962. We made the first flight October 7th, 1963, and uh, went on from there. He sold the company in 1967 to Gage Rubber, and it made, I think, changed hands another seven or eight times until now Bombardier holds it, and I think they've had it for, for many years. But they kept making uh, different uh, models, <clears throat> and uh, my dad took the money he made from uh, Gates Rubber for the sale of the airplane and uh, decided to build a steam engine because he thought that uh, steam was the way to go uh, for engines in a car. But he was starting from ground zero, and he didn't know a lot about it. And uh, he more or less pissed away $7 million. Uh, when he finally found out what Howard Hughes found out, when Howard Hughes tried to build a steam car back in 1935, that the horsepower is to 
automobile, the whole car has to be the condenser, the the uh, the frame, the top, the bottom, the trunk, the hood, everything. And of course, Hughes knew that that wasn't going to work. But my dad didn't read Hughes' book and, uh, and didn't uh, didn't know about that. And he went through seven million dollars before he realized it was a, a total impossibility. That was in 
during my career, I worked for 34 different aviation companies and airlines and had a lot of fun, went a lot of places with a lot of different airplanes and uh, retired in 2001. Right. And, of course, once you started being more vocal about some of the things that we're going to talk about here tonight, that's when, I guess you can say, trouble really arose for you. You even were fired at one time because of this. Yeah, and uh, 1985 was when my interest got peaked in UFOs. And, and before that, I wasn't sure they existed, and I wasn't that interested anyway. But in 1985, I was uh, running a reunion uh, here in Las Vegas for uh, Asia. And... Uh, either military pilots or people that worked for different companies there like Bird and Son and Air America and Continental Air Services Inc. And I ran into a friend of mine who uh, uh, was flying in Laos at the time and we started talking. I said, we're, we're all uh, have you been since I last seen you? And one of the places he mentioned was Bentwaters. And I said, oh, uh, yeah, Ben Waters, that's north of London. That's where that saucer supposedly landed in uh, Christmas 1980. He said, no, John, not supposedly. Uh, it did land, and uh, I didn't get to see it because I was confined to my quarters. But I know the guys who did, and it's a very interesting story. And so I said, you mean the stuff is true about flying saucers? He said, yes, it is. So that's when my interest got peaked, and... Uh, uh, that was 1985, and I started collecting information. In those days, we didn't have a, uh, an Internet, and uh, I did a lot of driving around um, California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, uh, to meet with people who would not talk on the phone but would talk one-on-one -on -one about their experiences. And uh, uh, I gathered so much information uh, that uh, I wrote the infamous uh, Lear Hypothesis in 1986, uh, in which I expressed what I thought was going on with uh, with the UFO field. And uh, after that, I seemed to, everything I seemed to do uh, seemed to get me more closer to more information. Uh, and I met Bob Lazar. And uh, at that time, he was uh, <clears throat> he was not working for Los Alamos National Lab, which oh, he had been way, working for for many years. By the way, John, I, just let me just let me stop you for one quick moment and quickly ask you: During this time period in your life, did your father ever say anything to you about this subject? No, I can't remember him saying. He might have mentioned it, but. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, there was no no real story or anything. And, uh, in 1952, yes. Lear Incorporated, his company, was selected as the prime contractor by the Pentagon for Andy Grav. And uh, they had that contract for four years and completed it in 1956. Uh, and uh, we had flying saucers in 1956, but in 1953, uh, he went down to Bogota and gave an interview to the press 
down in South America, and they started asking him about UFOs, and he told them what he thought. And uh, the uh, the Pentagon was extremely unhappy with him when he got back, and they kicked him out of the program. And even though Lear Incorporated had the contract, and then there was other people working on it, he, the president, chairman of the board, could not have anything to do with it. And I imagine they told him that if he breathed the word about it, uh, they would kill his family, his wife, his kids, uh, his grandparents, his mother, father, his dog, his parakeet, his cat, and everything, everybody wow. else. And I'm pretty sure that's why he never mentioned it, at least when I was around uh, in those days. there He had a couple of friends that had seen him, TWA pilots, uh, and they used to talk about it, but he, he never said very much. Well, I understand why he wouldn't be very vocal about that subject if they did, in fact, threaten him. My goodness. Speaking of speaking well, of which, he, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, they uh, made certain that, that he was never going to mention anything about it. Now, it's very interesting here that uh, just recently I came upon a tape on the internet, YouTube. Yes, and it's called uh, the Bonson UFO video, and it's a 22-minute home movie of my dad. Uh, working on anti-grav technology in a private laboratory, actually in the Bonson, uh, laboratory, uh, with T-Towns and, uh, um, and a lot of other people who were, uh, very involved in, uh, UFOs and anti-grav technology. And it, it doesn't have any sound except for some music, and it has a lot of, uh, video or what film in this laboratory and it shows <clears throat> what they were doing and every couple of minutes it has a picture of a calendar and the dates are being marked off uh, and circled as if they were something very important to them uh, and I just came across this video about six months ago and you go to YouTube and it's a Bonson video that's B-A-H and S-O-N, Bonson Video. And uh, uh, that was a very interesting video there. Oh, wow. Yes, I'm going to have to look that up after the interview here. But, yes, I'll take your word for it. That does sound pretty fascinating to check out. And uh, speaking of which, just uh, when was it? The day before yesterday, I believe you were doing some recording for... Some sort of, what was that, a TV show or a documentary about 9-11? Yes. It's a group of people that uh, got together and were uh, going to brief President Trump on what actually happened on 9-11. And I think there were at least 20 or 30 of us, the people who really, really knew what the bottom line was and were experts in their own field. Uh, and they were invited to um, write a paper, uh, which would be uh, all put together in one document. I think it ended up being 101 pages. Uh, and then it was uh, uh, given to President Trump two weeks ago. And then, then after that, they decided to do uh, a video. 
and have 20 of these people give a three-minute summary of their views on what they thought happened on uh, uh, 9-11. And, of course, my uh, area of expertise was in uh, aviation. And uh, in 19, let's see, in 2000, it would have been uh, in January of 2008, I submitted a 13-page affidavit uh, to the Southern District of uh, New York, Court District, uh, in support of Morgan Reynolds' um, Morgan Reynolds' quitam complaint, which he had filed, and uh, and uh, I explained te- technically why it was impossible uh, for a Boeing 767 uh, to have. Uh, flown at those speeds that, uh, uh, that NIST said it had and, uh, and the other things that it was alleged to have done. Uh, of course, uh, there were no airplanes, those are holograms, uh, but, uh, uh, these, I gave the, uh, I gave the summary of, of why it couldn't have been, uh, an airplane, I end up by saying uh, that for somebody with limited piloting experience, it was impossible to take over a glass cockpit Boeing 767, fly it 100 miles to New York, do a 180-degree turn at Coltsbeck, descend 20,000 feet, and at 500 miles an hour hit a target 208 feet wide, dead center at 500 miles an hour. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. That's at phys- the height yes. of my career, I could have not done anything like that. Yeah, the physics don't add up to you, and even you know this is erroneous. Now, what did you say? I didn't hear. Oh, I said even you know this was erroneous. All these, oh, yeah, Absolutely. And uh, I wrote my affidavit. It was in uh, addition to Morgan Reynolds' crim complaint, which was a suit uh, against the 20 plus different companies that participated uh, in the 9/11. That was Boeing, SIAC, uh, uh, United Airlines, uh, American Airlines, uh, Era, uh, 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 Research Project, who. Uh, designed and built direct energy weapons. And uh, what happened is the, the judge, uh, his, his name was George P. Davis, uh, I think that was his name, no, Daniels, George P. Daniels, uh, dismissed the case with prejudice and uh, not knowing a thing about it or caring a thing about it, uh, he didn't have the courage, the moral courage, uh, to uh, go in and, and uh, let this suit happen, so he just uh, dismissed it. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know any of this was uh, going on um, with you, John, either, by the way, the whole recording. And also, another thing that just came to mind very randomly here was when you discussed 9-11 with Art Bell, he was very... 
I, it was very rough for him to talk about this, and understandable at the time. Most people didn't really want to believe that the government could have possibly had had knowledge prior or even helped with this event. Hundred percent correct. People didn't want to believe that their government would do such a thing, and neither did Art Bell. And he kept saying over and over and over, I can't believe that our president had anything to do with this. Well, nobody said the president had anything to do with this. Correct. It, yeah. it was certainly insiders, but not necessarily the president. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have briefed him on, on this, mainly for uh, deniability. But I had been on his show many, many times over the years, and I believe it was in 2002 uh, that we parted ways over this issue. It was because of 9-11? And he wow. said, uh, after that, he started calling me a wingnut. <laughs> and oh, that's good. On the on the website, what was just cranking up in those times, my uh, little icon was a uh, was a wingnut that would spin up and down. Yes, and uh, I wow, I don't recall that was the reason why that you two parted ways, but. Yeah, it sounds what did like, you think it was? Well, no, well, I didn't know exactly. And to be honest with you, uh, at one point I even had unfriended Art, uh, maybe about a year or two ago, because of uh, some of his uh, rantings online. I was just getting a little, I was just getting a little annoyed, and I was starting to unfriend lots of people, and Art was one of them, and now I feel terrible about it. So I had to make it public, and of course, Art passed away recently. And uh, everyone is still a bit shocked. They can't believe he passed. Yeah. Or how he passed, which was an overdose of oxycodone and several other drugs. Yes, that is terrible. And, of course, you yourself have been dealing with uh, a lot of pain, if I remember in the past, John, with, uh, what was it, um, your back yeah, I broke my back, and I had many uh, many uh, physical problems. I went into the hospital in 2008, and I was in and out of the hospital for about uh, four years. And uh, when I came out, uh, they hadn't done much to relieve the pain. And uh, my doctor put me on methadone and oxycodone, which I took for many years, and uh, one year ago, May 31st, <clears throat> the Drug Enforcement Administration uh, put out a edict that uh, anybody taking uh, opioids had to get that prescription from uh, pain uh, management specialists. <clears throat> and so my doctor uh, assigned me a pain management specialist. I went in uh, May 31st. 2017, gave them a urine sample uh, and picked up my prescription. And two days later, the doctor calls Marilyn, my wife, and said they can't handle me anymore because the drug scan of the urine test showed that I was taking methamphetamine. Well, that is so absolutely outrageously impossible. You know, I hadn't left my den for 10 years. I wouldn't know where to get that kind of a drug. If I got it, I wouldn't know how to take it. 
Yes. And I certainly wouldn't be taking it in addition to oxycodone and methadone, but the the long of the long of the short of it was uh, that uh, the drug scan showed I was taking huge amounts of methamphetamine, and uh, of course, when the pharmacy found out about it, uh, they refused to give any, give me any more opioids uh, under penalty of law, and uh, I went into involuntary detox. Uh, I think July 23rd of last year and uh, almost passed away. If it hadn't been for my good friend Bob Lazar, uh, I wouldn't be here today. But what happened is after fighting the involuntary detox for three weeks, I called Bob and said, I'm not going to make it, Bob. And uh, he had been following my problem. I said, you know, I just can't handle it anymore. This detox is getting to me, and I can't get any more oxycodone. And he said, well, try this that we've just heard about. It's a um, it's a herb from Southeast Asia. It's called Kratom, K-R-A-T-O-M, uh, distributed mostly out of uh, Oregon. And uh, see if that'll help you. So... Uh, I started taking Kratom, and it instantly made me feel better. Uh, and I was able to cope with the detox, and I've been off for, uh, let's see, it's August 14th, so I've been off for 13 months now. And I have no desire for opiates. I wouldn't take it even if, if it was offered me. Uh, but I do use Kratom, which you can get on the web, on the web. And uh, it has all the properties and benefits of oxycodone, but no opioids. And, uh, of course, because it is so helpful, uh, the opioid uh, uh, produced has dropped drastically along with the sales. And big pharma is going nuts, and they have, uh, they essentially own the, the Drug Enforcement Administration, uh, the Federal Drug Administration, and CDC, uh, and uh, they're trying to make an effort to <laughs> make they're Kratom trying. a Schedule One drug, the oh, same wow. as heroin. And, uh, That's terrible. And um, they might make it, but you know they tried it about a year ago, and the uh, the White House got so many letters. I think it was over. I can't remember what the figure was. Hundreds of thousands of letters of people supporting it, not only from people using it, but doctors and lawyers uh, saying the benefits of this. So the DEA backed off, and I have been very quiet since then. Uh, but they are ready to, you know, make an attack on Kratom. And I would imagine, I thought it was going to come the first quarter of this year, but it didn't happen yet. So... Uh, I don't know what the status is. Uh, I get mine uh, from the uh, smoke shop up on the corner here in Las Vegas. There's probably 30 or 40 of them here, and they always have an ample supply of kratom. Well, what about and all kinds of different? There are all yeah. kinds of different kratom. There's, you know, there's some for pain. There's some for anxiety. Uh, there's some for just about everything. And when you buy it, usually the seller 
uh, will have uh, information on on what is would be the best for you. So right. And uh, what, what about CBD oil? Apparently that's good. I don't use it myself, but I've seen some very good things about it. Yeah, there, there's non uh, intoxicating marijuana extracts out there that you can use that I believe would be helpful uh, for everyone. Yeah, it could. I uh, don't try it, and uh, I don't use marijuana for uh, for the simple reason it doesn't do anything for me except make me feel bad. <laughs> it makes you feel bad. So I'm not a candidate for uh, marijuana. Understood, understood. And I, I did want to leap back in time yet again here uh, and, and go into uh, Bob Lazar, since you did mention him and we were talking about that. Until I, I cut you off there, and I do apologize, um, let's start uh, something current before we go back in time. When was the last time you talked to um, our good friend Bob Lazar? Uh, I think a week ago. Uh, I forget what the occasion was, but uh, he has a, a scientific supply shop in uh, Lanesburg, Michigan, uh, called... Uh, Scientific nuclear, I'll think the name in a second, but he distributes um, uh, scientific parts worldwide to different universities and schools and companies. Very good. I'm glad you are still in communication with our friend Bob Lazar. And oh, yeah. yeah. I'm glad he's still active out there. He's what? I, I said, I'm glad he's still very active out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he lives in uh, uh, Michigan and uh, operates out of there. Very good, very good. And, of course, I recall um, one of the last things we, we did talk about was a little bit about your photograph you took of Groom Lake. I believe you're the only person who had taken this photo. Now, what was that photograph about, like? A groom lake. Oh, yeah. Um, the ones I posted on... Your website, right. On website, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was in 1977. And uh, uh, I was watching TV one evening, and uh, there was a news story, and it said... Uh, Security leak at the test site, and I think they actually mentioned Groom Lake. And so I called up the studio the next day and got a hold of the uh, the uh, production uh, manager and uh, asked him a little bit about the story and asked him if we could have lunch. And that happened to be Bob Stoldow, and I think he's uh, vice president or something of of uh, Channel 8 here. Uh, but anyway, back in 77, we went to lunch, and uh, we talked about Groom Lake and uh, his thoughts on it. He says, uh, I believe that uh, United Press International Associated Press are going to hike in next week. Uh, and expose it. And uh, when he said that, 
I thought about smoke. Holy smoke, that's, I wanted to, uh, to hike in there and, uh, so I thought I'd do that before, uh, the news people did and, uh, the following week I, I was working for an airline here in Las Vegas called Bonanza Airlines and, uh, on a particular Monday we weren't flying, uh, so I called up a, a couple of the guys and I said, uh, do you want to go on a secret mission? And they said, of course. So we left at 5 o'clock in the morning, drove up to Groom Lake. And, I, of course, in 1977, there were no gates or anything. You could drive right up to the lake, lake bed, and the lake uh, was full of water at that time. And uh, we took, uh, I took a roll of, uh, in those days I was shooting uh, black and white, and I took a roll of 36. And about the time that... Um, uh, I was able to uh, finish this roll. We saw some uh, trucks uh, across the uh, way. They were making a little dust trail headed our way. So uh, I knew they were going to take the film. So what I did is I reround the film that was in the uh, camera and uh, took the little cartridge and in the door of my Lincoln Continental, I pulled out the ashtray, put the film in the in the little uh, opening there, and then put the ashtray back on. Then I took another brand new roll of film, ran it to the camera, took the identical uh, same 36 pictures, uh, and then waited. And of course, security comes up, and uh, there's two trucks. There's a security truck, and in front of him is just a, a worker. And so the security guy gets out. There's a little chain across two poles there. He lets the guy out, and uh, uh, and uh, he turns around to hook up the chain, and he sees us. Yeah, there we are sitting with my on in front of my Lincoln Continental, and I got two, my two friends with this, and I've got the camera mounted on a tripod. He said. Are you guys from the news? And we said, no, we're, we're just here exploring the desert. I said, I guess we're not supposed to be here. He said, hell no, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> right. So he called, uh, security and they came out and I guess, you know, they were there for about an hour questioning us and all kinds of things. And then they told us, okay, now here's the deal. You guys are going to leave here right now and go back to Vegas and next week somebody will call you and you'll get a briefing and then you'll get a debriefing and uh, so we drove home and never heard from them again there was never any briefing never any debriefing and uh, the only time that the subject ever came up again was in 1979 I got a job flying for the Department of Energy, and I had to have a queue clearance. And uh, during the briefing they give you, when you get a clearance like that, the subject came up of of the uh, the issue and what happened at Groom Lake. And that, that that's the last I ever heard of it. Interesting. And how exactly were you approached to work for the CIA, if you don't mind me asking? 
Um, how were you approached to join the CIA, by the way? I didn't know I was working for them. I was working for a company in Florida ferrying airplanes to Vietnam from the factory in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, somebody mentioned uh, on one of the overnight stops there that, that this was a CIA operation. And of course, it made sense because uh, we were treated uh, differently than just being regular pilots. And... Uh, and that's how I found out. So understood. Uh, so so I did that for so I did that for four years. Understood. Understood. So so no trips to Mena, Arkansas then. <laughs> no. <laughs> understood. I stuck understood. to the Pacific. Um, we pick up the new forward air control airplanes in Wichita. Uh, fly to Hamilton Air Force Base in. Uh, in San Francisco and then to uh, Hickam Air Force Base in Honolulu, then to Midway Island, uh, Wake Island, Guam, the Philippines, Clark Air Force Base, and then delivered in-country to Natrang in uh, South Vietnam. Yeah, it seems like those were great times for you, and you were even uh, shot down. Uh, yeah, later... I had gone to Cambodia to fly uh, for an airline there, and I was a year there flying out of Phnom Penh. And then I went up to fly in um, Binchin in Laos uh, for the CIA. There were two companies up there that flew for the agency. One was Air America, and the other was Continental Air Services. Um, I worked for Continental Services. I flew Curtis C-46s and uh, the Havilland Twin Otters. And uh, both of those airplanes were used to uh, supply um, supply uh, both rice and ammunition uh, to uh, uh, to the uh, Army, which was supported to 2nd Maryland. Thank you. And John, taking a little break there. No worries. So, uh, uh, what was I talking about? You were talking about your uh, trip uh, when you were uh, shot down. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, we flew twin honors and C-46s, and uh, both airplanes were used to supply uh, rice uh, to the uh, villagers that were forced to move south in Laos and uh, hard rice, hard rice is a euphemism for guns and ammunition, and uh, we supplied those to the the army, which of course was led by General Vang Pao, who was the CIA's fair-haired boy in charge of um, the uh, the Laotian army, and uh, we were. Delivering, I was flying the Twin Otter, and uh, it's a cargo turboprop airplane made in Canada, and its capacity was uh, six uh, loads uh, of equipment. And what would happen is they were loaded into the airplane at the uh, at whatever base you were operating out of, and they fly up to where the soldiers were, and after ground attack and identify or uh, ground um, 
you identified who we were dropping to, uh, we'd fly over, and uh, on each pass, uh, when you were directly over the soldiers, you would give us uh, a signal to the guy in the back, and me would push a box out, which had a big parachute, they call them G7s, uh, and they would instantly inflate, and uh, the package would uh, land safely on the ground. So we went in and we had delivered uh, four of these packages, and on the fifth pass, we made our turn after we pushed it out. Uh, the guy in back, we called them kickers because they kicked the stuff out, uh, came yelling up in front of cop, cop. And we looked back, and uh, the entire fuselage was filled with uh, a spray, a foam, that smelled exactly like gasoline or jet fuel which is what it was, and what had happened is they had shot the right engine out, including the strut where the fuel line was, and the fuel was spraying out and winding around in back of the airplane, and because of the airflow in this cargo airplane, uh, it would come back in the cargo door and fill the airplane up with gasoline fumes. And, of course, um, we immediately started back to friendly base, and uh, in all of Southeast Asia, there's a, uh, a couple of C-130s that used to orbit with all different kinds of radios and equipment and, and other support equipment, and uh, they were there to help anybody who needed help. For instance, their call sign in the daytime was cricket, and at, nine time, at nighttime it was moonbeam. And if you got into trouble, you'd call them and, and say, uh, Cricket, uh, this is Pop Golf Victor, the identification of your airplane. Uh, we've just been hit. We're heading south. Uh, that kind of information, of course. Uh, Cricket would then alert uh, the rescue troops or rescue airplanes and helicopters uh, and start heading your way. But the problem... With when we got hit, here's an airplane totally full of atomized fuel, and I knew that as soon as I pressed that mic button, there would be a very tiny spark, but enough to blow everything up. And uh, so my choice was, do I get help from Cricket or or ensure that the airplane can't blow up by not saying anything? And, I decided to go ahead and try it. I covered up the microphone uh, real carefully with my hands and my uh, uh, and my shirt, and managed to get the report out. And uh, we managed to get into a a base and uh, get the airplane repair. And we were we were in the uh, air by the next morning. Wow. I'm not even sure how you're even able to be a pilot, John. I'm a little scared of flying, to be honest with you. I have to kind of have a drink or two uh, to get on an airplane. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll have to. I have to do something to get on there. I, I get very anxious. Well, I always loved flying, and it was part of me. And uh, I don't know whether I was a pilot in a previous life, but uh, it was, uh, 
Yeah. I loved it, and I loved flying different airplanes in different places. Uh, and I really enjoyed my career. I I totaled out with 19,600 hours and uh, 44 years of flying. And uh, got a lot of stories, had a lot of fun, but I'm done with it now. I don't even go flying. And the main reason I don't go flying is because I don't want to have to subject myself to the uh, to the inhumanities, the ungraciousness of uh, TSA. Uh, it's yes. just not in me to to go through all. It's take my shoes off to prove that I don't have any weapons on board an airliner. So I just don't bother going. I don't blame you for that. It is quite tedious just going to an airport, especially nowadays. And you know, we'll jump into a lot of these things, but um. Just curious, what was the catalyst for your interest in UFOs and extraterrestrials? Was it the sighting you had when you were flying, John, that first sparked your interest in this and being almost obsessed with this subject? I mean, I, I am myself pretty obsessed with this my, uh, too, John, so I don't mean that in a negative way. Yeah, it was nothing I saw when I flew. It was, uh, like I said, meeting the pilot that I'd known in Southeast Asia, and he told me that the Bentwaters incident was true, that a saucer had landed at this U.S. Air Force base north of London, and there had been three aliens in it who got out and walked around, and, and it had been filmed by the Air Force, uh, and uh, Colonel... Uh, how do I ever forget his name? Uh... And uh, it was a real incident, and that's what, you know, I thought, it's real? I mean, there are flying saucers? And uh, when my friend said yes, then I knew this was something that I'd have to uh, get into and uh, find out about it. And uh, it really took over my life uh, to the point where uh, my wife was going nuts because I was getting phone calls nonstop. People were knocking on the door nonstop, and it was driving her nuts. So <laughs> yes, I can imagine. At one point, she hid all my files and changed my phone numbers. <laughs> oh, my. And uh, put me out of business for a while. But by through some freak accident, I had been over from, uh, on a trip uh, in Germany, and I called her up, and she said, well, I saw him, but I still don't believe him. And she had been working out in the backyard here in Las Vegas up on uh, Sunrise Mountain, and she had been uh, planting some flowers, and two of these saucers, these craft, came out of the mountain, out of Sunrise Mountain, and flew south about halfway up the mountain, and uh, they disappeared. And uh, my daughter, eight-year-old daughter, Jackie, was there and uh, watched it, too. And, uh, of course, since she saw it, she had a little bit different uh, view on it and maybe a little bit of compassion and, and that I wasn't nuts but uh, because she had seen him. Uh, but uh, that helped me out a little bit. Understood, understood. And, you know, something just came to my mind, and I'm not quite sure if I've ever asked you about that, and that's the Phoenix Lights incident. Um, 
do you have any recollection of that uh, sighting, John? What what sighting? The Great Phoenix Light sighting. Oh, uh, well, a friend of mine in Southeast here, Southwest uh, pilot, had been there, and he told me, yeah, it was definitely a uh, strange craft. He said they were flying a missing man war formation, and uh, so he didn't never know of any extraterrestrials flying missing man formation, so it was probably us uh, in some of our unknown uh, exotic uh, aircraft we have flying. Yes, and of course you've been to many different sort of top-level bases in your time and have gone information, and going back to E.T., um, Los Alamos apparently had an, an alien there. Um, do you have any more info on that? Uh, info on what? On the alleged alien that was at Los Alamos base. No, there was supposed to have been uh, one or two of the E.T.s that were Recovered from the Roswell crash that, uh, that, uh, were incarcerated at Los Alamos National Labs and it was in a facility called, uh, Wildlife Dash 2. And, uh, I used to explore all around, uh, Los Alamos. I'd drive over there with Bob. He had a, uh, contract to rebuild alpha probes. So their alpha probes are radiation probes and every couple of months he'd get a uh, contract to go in and <clears throat> repair three or four hundred of them. And uh, I would go with him. He'd drive from Las Vegas. Uh, it was about a 14-hour drive uh, east to Albuquerque and then north to Santa Fe and then northwest to Los Alamos and uh, it would take us about 12 hours to rebuild these 400 alpha probes and then we'd uh, if we had any extra time we'd drive around Los Alamos and he would show me all the places that he worked and, and all the hidden places and there was a hidden place uh, just south of the McDonald's, and you had to get there by a very, uh, a very uh, interesting way, following roads and turning here and going down dirt roads, and you get down to this one place, and it was a huge door. Uh, it was about 30 feet high and about 30 feet wide. It was a big metal door, and it was it was in the side of a mountain. And uh, there was a huge gate there, uh, which was uh, had guards on it. And uh, I never saw anything go in or out, and I never saw it open. But uh, whatever it used for was something uh, very big and uh, very secret. Very interesting, very interesting, yes. And, you know, one of the last things we did talk about when you were here were all these different massive underground bases out there. And, you know, that, that does remind me, I did have, uh, I, well, before I, I go on, I, I just wanted to quickly add that Las Vegas and uh, New Mexico 
these places are just, for some reason, filled with activity. Wouldn't you agree, John? Yeah, absolutely. When I was flying for the Department of Energy uh, in 1980, 1981, uh, my job was to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and get in the uh, OB-10 Bronco, which is a North American turboprop, and uh, fly up to the Nevada test site. And I would fly around the perimeter of where they used to do the underground nuclear tests. And uh, my job was to give them the wind direction and wind speed from ground level up to 10,000 feet. And the reason they needed that was they wanted to be sure in case when they set the shot off, that if it vented, that it wasn't going to blow towards Las Vegas. And they didn't care if it blew north, but they didn't want it blowing towards Las Vegas. So uh, for the two or three hours before they detonated the nukes, uh, I would fly the perimeter of the area where they had built the uh, the hole and put the, the uh, nuke down about a mile or so. And uh, radio in the uh, wind direction of wind speed. Well, during this time, uh, it gave me a pretty good view of a lot of interesting places. Now, unfortunately, Groom Lake was not one of them because it was too far out in the the northeast to get a good view of it. But uh, I saw other other places where there was a lot of construction going on, uh, specifically. Uh, on Paiute Mesa, which is in the dead center of the Nevada test site. And uh, that whole area was uh, very white, white in color. And I couldn't figure out what I was looking at because it was like, looked like, you know, 70 or 80 acres of uh, just white stuff. And I, I didn't know what it was. And I found out later, maybe 10 years later, that uh, what they had done was they were building a secret base called Sandia, and it was exactly halfway between the Tonopah Test Range and Groom Lake. And uh, they had taken off the top of a mountain and built the base inside of the mountain and then put the top back on uh, the mountain and covered up the base. And uh, it was a huge area. In addition to the... Uh, the laboratories and the part that I'm telling you about right now, there was another uh, construction project right next to it, and uh, these were five holes. And what they had done is they'd set off very clean nuclear blasts, five of them, and then they tunneled down from the surface down a mile below to where the the opening was, and they started building uh, quarters where people could live, uh, not only housing, but places to eat and uh, places to uh, exercise and uh, all kinds of facilities, and there was five of them, and each one held 15,000 armed combat troops. So in the addition to all the scientists that worked at Sandia on a daily basis, which was 10, which was 2,000. They had 75,000 armed combat troops on duty at all times. Now, 
what they were on duty for, I don't know. I don't know who would be attack, attacking them. Uh, but anyway, that's what they were there for. So when they uh, finished up building this huge facility, would have been about interesting sites in Vegas like like you said the fake casino that hides that massive underground construction the super secret subway that you speak of um, very interesting stuff yeah now what they did is they had uh, Las Vegas had just finished raising uh, the stardust that is demolishing it and there were 74 acres of vacant land and it was exactly where they were going to use uh, to tunnel down and build the subway because, you know, you build the subway from the top, not from the inside. So you have to have a large area uh, where you can move all these tunneling pieces of equipment and uh, tunnels down in there and, uh, you know, places for people to uh, meet and pick up their equipment and uh, go down inside the earth to build these uh, tunnels. And what they did is, of course, this is right on the strip, and people would have seen this, so to hide it, um, Boyd Construction, uh, who was in charge of it, uh, built a fake casino called Echelon. And they told everybody that they were building a casino and it was going to be big and beautiful and da 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 And all it was was to hide the construction from the people moving up and down Las Vegas Boulevard, the people moving up and down Industrial Road, and the, the cars and people moving on uh, Desert Inn Road. And uh, that's all it was for. And um, the people that worked on this fake casino, they only built the framework. They didn't build anything inside. Right. right. Uh, they were told that when they when they reported for work that morning that they were not to look over the side towards the empty lot. Under any circumstance, don't look over because they said we have CIA sharpshooters with high-powered rifles that will kill you instantly. Now I don't know how they got that approved with OSHA, but. Uh, but uh, apparently nobody looked over and nobody got killed, at least that I know of. Uh, but they did get this this 
huge subway, massive subway project uh, built and it operates, you know, it operates today, every day. And uh, not only that, there's not only, it doesn't only go to uh, uh, Sandia, it goes to Groom Lake, Tonopah, and several secret bases that are north of Las Vegas. There's one that's right on the Utah-Nevada border, 44 miles south of Wendover, Utah. And that's where all the, uh, or many of the black triangles fly out of. And, uh, it's a huge, huge base there, and it's hidden by holograms. And, uh, holograms hide things that are in plain sight, and, uh, they use that to hide these secret bases, uh, all over the U.S., and uh, they use it to hide up there. Yes, and on the last episode, we did talk a little bit about the secret underground, uh, naval facility. Which is a bit outside of Vegas, I recall. Uh, what is it you said it went? Oh, the, the underground facility, perhaps closer to Reno, I think the last time we talked, we discussed the U.S. Navy submarine base. That's in the desert. Oh, yeah, that's the Navy places. submarine base, mm-hmm. uh, at Hopper, Nevada. Right. And, uh, they found out, the U.S. Navy found out about 40 years ago that the seven western states of the United States uh, sits on a shelf uh, floating on the Pacific Ocean so that uh, submarines can go under these seven western states and go anywhere they want and they can have access to the ground if somebody builds uh, an elevator from uh, ground level uh, to the Pacific Ocean. In the case of um, Hawthorne, it goes down 3,200 feet because 3,200 feet is the altitude of Hawthorne. And to get down to the Pacific Ocean, you think you have an elevator that goes down 3,200 feet. There's a huge uh, submarine base under there. There's maybe five or ten nuclear submarines uh, parked there at all times uh, in and out. And, and what they do there is uh, ever since submarines came into use, uh, they've had to have specific uh, weapons, missiles, uh, for those submarines. And it was built in an underground secret facility to the north and west of Hawthorne. And it was hidden in the mountains. And what would they do is when they finished production, they would have to ship it north through Reno to Alameda in San Francisco Bay or south through Las Vegas to San Diego uh, to the Navy Station down there. And, of course, this... Uh, they didn't want it that visible. People could see the trucks moving. They didn't know it was on them, but they wanted that secret. So about that time, they discovered the, uh, the Pacific Ocean under, was under the shelf of the seven western states, and they built an elevator. Uh, and instead of moving the, uh, weapons and missiles on the ground, on the highways, they just took it in the elevator down to the Pacific Ocean and loaded it. 
drive into Hawthorne, uh, there's a big sign there that says Naval Undersea Warfare Center. And for years, I would see that sign, and I'm thinking, Warfare Center, what are they talking about? There's a lake here. It's 15 miles long and 100 feet deep, and they're going to use that to train under warfare, uh, underwater warfare uh, ships. Yeah, that's confusing. Right. And only years later did I find out, uh, no, what, what they meant was uh, there's access to the Pacific Ocean, and uh, there's uh, submarines, uh, pens under there. Now, why they chose to... Uh, advertise that, I don't know. Um, they, um, uh, they, they have openings, elevator areas, all over these seven western states. You could be driving out in the middle of Colorado and, uh, see a sign, uh, undersea naval warfare center. And that's where one of the elevators is, and I don't know why they, that I guess they wouldn't believe that anybody in their wildest imagination would believe <laughs> that there's elevators that go down to the Pacific Ocean at this particular location. You know, I, I tend to believe you, John. I don't. I don't think any of this is simply made up whatsoever. I think these things do exist out there, and there there are many of them. I, I did want to discuss the moon with you, um, lots of discussion going on there lately, especially in the political realm. Uh, Mike Pence has been talking a lot about this uh, alleged Trump space force. Um, what do you make of this, John? Well, there's two schools of thought. First of all, there's been a space force for 40 years, and it's run by the Navy, and it's huge. Uh, and it was financed by the fake Apollo missions, the fake Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo missions, the NASA run in the 60s. And that $40 billion was siphoned off to use for um, the Navy projects, uh, which they started building in those days and have been building ever since. And uh, they have uh, enormous orbiting uh, weapons, direct energy weapons, uh, that they use to level buildings uh, 1, 2, and 7 uh, during 9-11 and the Mira building and to start the California California fires. Uh, they also have orbiting laboratories. And the laboratories, they make hull material for aircraft carriers and submarines. And this hull material has to be made in zero gravity and uh, is used uh, in place of uh, other material because it's lighter uh, and it's stronger and with a small electrical charge it can keep the ocean water between 5 and 7 centimeters away from the hull. Now, as you know, the limit speed for any hull replacement ship is 1.34 times the square root of the water line, which limits just about anything to about 45 knots. But these new aircraft carriers, like the Gerald Ford, which was launched, and the USS Colorado, that was just launched, uh, those ships can go 100 knots because there's no drag. Because when you use this uh, material called D.D, made in, in orbit, uh, 
uh, it keeps with a small electrical charge, it keeps the uh, the water away from the hull, and there's essentially no drag. So all they need is big propellers. Now on some reef, they don't use propellers anymore. They need they have a a water propulsion that's stronger and quieter. Uh, but on aircraft carriers, they still use uh, uh, the propellers. And uh, they have all this new technology, and you'll notice when the Navy does announce the launching of the USS Colorado, and it's full of top, uh, real top secret uh, technology, advanced, super advanced technology. They can't tell you what the technology is, but. Unfortunately, I can't, and there's three parts of the technology. One is the D.D. revolve, and the other is they use fusion engines. Now, we're told, the public is told that fusion will not be uh, available for another decade, uh, and in fact, we've been using it for the last 14 years, and fusion, of course, is much more efficient than fission, and uh, is much, much lighter and uh, much, much more powerful. So whereas we might use three or five fission reactors in a submarine, we would only need two to do the same job in a uh, in an aircraft carrier of uh, fusion engines. And same thing with uh, submarines, uh, where we might only use uh, two uh, fission reactors we can get the job done with a, a one fusion reactor. And uh, we have a, a narrow secret club uh, that's used for uh, CLT delivery. It's about 70 feet long. Uh, it has a fusion reactor for power. I think there's about uh, 24 or 25 people that man this thing, uh, and there's a 12 man seal delivery unit where they can uh, deliver seal teams uh, anywhere and everywhere at tremendous speeds. Uh, and it's really a very, very interesting piece of equipment. I've never heard anybody discuss it right. uh, or show pictures of it. Yes. But it's there. Understood. Thank you for that. And, John, I, I did want to ask you a, a bit about this um, latest tragedy, really. I'm sure you understand and have read about this completely, and that's with that airline employee stealing that plane in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, what, what was that all about? What's your take on that? And, by the way, I do have some audio clips of, of him uh, speaking to the traffic controller, do you want me to play a clip of that? No, I think we all heard it. Okay, we heard you heard that. Obviously. Him, but, uh, yes. Okay, good. I wrote a. I don't want to play for my Facebook this morning and telling about uh, the fact that the FAA will never publicize any airline disasters they were caused by pilot suicide and. Some of the ones I know about is uh, uh, United Airlines Flight 585 in Colorado City. Um, let's see, I believe in 1991, 
And uh, what happened was uh, the captain uh, was uh, dating the first officer, a female, and he had caught him the night before with another uh, a flight attendant. And uh, so they get in the airplane to go to fly from Denver to Colorado, and they argued all the way down. And uh, so just as they're about to land, the female co-pilot says, you know, that she's not going to date him anymore. And he says, well, if I can't have you, nobody can have you. Oh, no. And he rolls the airplane upside down and pulls it through like the beginning of a split S. And uh, they hit vertically at uh, 350 miles an hour, and of course killed everybody on board. And there was a mass frantic effort by the FAA and the NTSB and United Airlines to cover it up and uh, keep that information from the public because they can't have an airline captain uh, killing himself and all passengers on board because he has an issue with the with the uh, co-pilot. And then a few years later, there was a similar accident in Pittsburgh with a U.S. Air uh, Boeing 727 Flight 427. And the identical uh, accident happened where, for whatever reason, the captain rolled the airplane upside down and then pulled it through. And the beginning was split out, and they hit vertically. And another frantic effort by the FAA and NTSB to cover it up. And this one, uh, they decided to blame the odd amper, uh, which, uh, you know, my father many years ago was one of the main inventors of the odd amper. And so I know quite a bit about it. And I know there's no possible way that a odd amper could be responsible for rolling a plane inverted. <laughs> and pulling it through, it is not going to happen. Uh, but then uh, I also mentioned uh, how far the FAA and NTSB will go to cover up the truth, whereas if you remember Flight 800, uh, TWA Boeing 747 off the coast of Long Island was accidentally shot down by a U.S. Navy submarine. They were using it for target practice. And uh, the missile got away from him, uh, and it killed, it blew the 747 up and killed everybody on board. And there was such a massive, frantic effort to cover it up. The uh, President Clinton's security chief, Richard B. Clark, and uh, James Calstrom, who was assistant director of the FBI, coordinated the main effort.
mean, would somebody admit, well, yes, they tried to tell the truth, but the guy who wrote the book about it was sent to prison, and uh, Boeing, to keep their mouth shut, was paid off with the government okay of the merger with McDonnell Douglas, which they had been in court with uh, over six years, tied up in antitrust uh, sues by the government, and of course, uh, the government says, you keep your mouth shut, we'll let you merge with McDonnell Douglas. They did. And then uh, TWA, in order for them to keep their mouth shut, uh, was given a $360 million sweetheart loan, which, which didn't have to be paid back. And uh, then, of course, what did the pastors get? They didn't get anything because they were dead. So... There's no problem there, right? Right. No doubt. That's the way the cookie crumbles, as they say. Right. John, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. We barely scratched the surface here. Um, But, of course, before I let you go, did we land on the moon in 69? No, absolutely not. I can give you about 25 reasons if you had the time. But the basic reasons are that, um, number one, E.T., the aliens, put a radiation belt around the Earth that extends from 500 miles altitude to 25,000 miles altitude, uh, and it's specifically there so that we can't go anywhere. They don't want us out there. We're not ready to go out there. We're, uh, we're just a planet that's in the middle of uh, tribal, uh, uh, tribal endeavors here, and uh, they don't want us to take our uh, our ideas of any hate and greed uh, out into the uh, solar system. Our solar system is much, much bigger than NASA tells you. Uh, it's We're told that there's only eight planets out there, and there's actually 40, and there's so much going on out there. Each of the 40 planets has civilizations, and each of the 40 planets has their own moons, uh, which have other civilizations, and they trade with each other, both technology and and uh, farming technology uh, and food stuff, and, and it's a huge operation, but we're not part of it. We're on Earth, and our sole, uh, sole effort, what we're supposed to do here on Earth is to live our lives with integrity, without envy, without hate, without greed, and to express our love to our families each and every day. That's all we got to do, and uh, that's what we're put on Earth for. And, of course, all of us have lived many lives before, and we'll live many lives after this, and our lives after this will be infinitely better if we learn how to live our lives with integrity without envy, hate, or greed. But meanwhile, E.T. is not, while we're learning this and while we're educating our souls, they don't want us messing around in the uh, solar system. They just too much cause for problems that they don't need. Yeah, very well said. And over the years, you acquired a number of naysayers, the critics. Since that time, I heard you over 20 years ago now. I never once thought you were, um, I, I never felt you were not being genuine in what you spoke about then and now. I'm glad 
we were able to do this again, John, and it's always an honor and privilege when I'm able to bring you on to the program. So I definitely want to bring you on on here again in the very near future, my friend. Okay, Mike, call me anytime. All right. Take care, John, and God bless. Bye-bye. And there goes Mr. John Lear. If you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night. 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. And if you enjoy the program and want to help fund this great project, go to michaeldeacon.com and click the little donate button there. And if you stick around long enough, you'll catch me doing another show with Eric Kajewski. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time. Good night, everybody. Yeah, is that useful to you? Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. They And welcome back to another special edition of the program. And joining me here live right now is Eric Kajewski. Let's bring him in. Michael, how are you? There you are. What's going on, my friend? Not too much. Always good to talk to you again. We had a great blockbuster talk last time, and I'm sure this show will rattle the YouTube world, and uh, hopefully we'll get a lot of people talking about it. I hope so as well. And, of course, it was an honor and a privilege to speak to you then and here now. It's always fun. Uh, to conversate with you, different ideas flow, and we have this open environment here to discuss all sorts of things. We're never really limited here on this side of heaven. Yes, well, that's good, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate the work that you do, and uh, hopefully, uh, well, I'm not sure if you picked up uh, a lot of new listeners from last time, and I don't know if you want me to kind of cover, you know, who I am, you know, the website, you know, kind of like our background so to speak, and what we're trying to get across. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so really briefly, my name's Eric Kajewski. I run one of the most uh, popular, if not the most popular, traditional Catholic website available called tradcatnight.org, and it's a new website now. It's new and improved, uh, and I hope to see you all over there. Again, it's not just Catholics who are uh, connected to my uh, information. As you know, i got people from all walks of life. Uh, following my work, but essentially I cover the apostasy in the Catholic Church, uh, the real third secret of a Fatima, which basically details that. Uh, you know, I cover New World Order topics, you know, days a lot news, prepper, survivalism, earth changes, economics, geoengineering, uh, you know, Agenda 2030, Planet X, FEMA camps, you know, uh, you, you name it, you know, Project Bluebeam, Harp, Scalar Technology, Global Depopulation. And so I'm sure there's a lot of carryover between what, you know, Michael discusses and some of the guests that he brings on. And we were just discussing off the air. We both had Fetzer on pretty uh, recently. So and I'm going to be starting special guest podcast back up in September. That's one of the reasons why you want to join me uh, over at tradcatnight.org because uh, my guest list is pretty, pretty extensive. I have hundreds and hundreds of, uh, you know, top name guests on the program. So hope to see you all there. And just as a side note too, uh, Michael recently, uh, Feedspot, just kind of like a ranking system. This is just one of them to give you an example, ra- ranked us 
Uh, well, according to their model, we're number three Catholic YouTube channel, but the, the problem right. is the two that are ahead, the two that are ahead of me, they're not really Catholic. <laughs> they're following Vatican too. So, uh, technically speaking, I'm, I'm the number one Catholic YouTube channel available and I rank 15 when it, when it smashes Catholics and Protestant channels together. You know, there's thousands and thousands of Christian channels. I'm number 15. So. Uh, just to Very give you an good. idea, we have, we have pretty extensive following and, uh, I, I cover it all. So, I don't know what direct, if you had anything pre-planned, I mean, oh, I had so about much. a half a dozen topics oh, yeah. I would like to cover by the time we're done, but let me know what you want me to cover and I'll get right into it. Oh, I want to talk about all sorts of different things and yes, congratulations on the YouTube channel. That's been very popular. And I, I believe I got one of those um, strange awards in my email from someone, I don't know who, but they gave me some sort of ranking thing for um, end time sort of channel, I guess. Oh, yeah? Cool. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I guess that's what's a popular thing going on. There's rankings all of a sudden. I had no clue. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Good for you, man. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, there's so much to talk within the topic of quote-unquote uh, end times, and uh, I recently, on my uh, premium podcast, I did a whole entire 45-minute show on a not-so-well-known mystic, even in the, the Catholic Church, called Sister Jeanne of the Nativities back in the 17th century, and basically, she talked about the end times, she talked about the reign of the Antichrist, she talked about all these earth changes and sinkholes and earth cracks opening up where, you know, poisonous gases would be released and, you know, cities would die from it and the second coming of Christ actually. So it took me a while to translate it from the original French into uh, English. It was sent to me by uh, Father Kramer out in Ireland. And uh, it's a really good read because most Catholics have not seen it. It was the kind of the hot news item uh, on my website about a week ago. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much to talk about. So. Really, there there truly is. But before we get into all these great topics, I thought we could go back in time to your earliest roots, Eric, when, I guess you can say, were you always religious, Eric? Did you grow up in a religious household? What what was that like for you? Yeah, well, I grew up uh, as a Catholic. And again, when, when you're raised in the mainstream, quote unquote, Catholic Church, again, it's not really Catholic. The Catholic Church has been hijacked by uh, men who we call modernists. And basically, modernists are a group of men, uh, you know, slash women who have an erroneous perception of what it is to be Catholic. Pope St. Pius X called them uh false apostles, these new false apostles. And so it's a basically like a rewrite of what Catholicism is, and in the reality, it's not really Catholicism because it's funneling everyone towards this one world religion that's you know so many people are talking about, Babylon, Revelation twenty. Uh but it was talked about by pre Vatican II popes, uh pre Vatican II mystics like Blessed uh Anna Emmerich for one, Marie Julie Jeheni. Uh so I was raised, yes, uh in a quote unquote Catholic home. Uh you know, I'm a ex-athlete. I was pretty good at basketball. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I've got a master's degree in business, was a businessman. And I kind of fell away, you know, in my late 20s. I mean, I was living the playboy lifestyle. I mean, I, I was, you know, had the nice car, the nice uh, home down by Myrtle Beach in, in, in North Carolina. I had the women, you know, I had the money, I had, you know, the job. And uh, I was miserable, truly, on the inside. And, uh, you know, I 
you know, left practicing uh, the faith. And then really at, at one point, even I only did I just leave the church like altogether. I mean, I, I really kind of doubted in God's existence, honestly, at one point. I mean, I, I hit such a low. I just kind of thought like, why, why would God ever allow this? Cause I got hit with a can of worms all at once. I mean, I lost my girlfriend. I lost my home. I lost my job. I lost money. I lost it like all at once to where literally I, I snapped. I had a mental breakdown. And so, so you had a breakdown and you kind of, I guess you could say you sort of turn your back on religion slightly there. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I needed it. You know, I needed to snap. I needed to break because I needed to basically, you know, get back to my roots, you know, get back to God, get back to, you know, prayer life. And it was ultimately, you know, personally for me, it was the rosary that really saved me you know, from a life of addiction. Uh, you know, at one point being a sex addict. Isn't it amazing how we have to suffer before we could go back? Yeah, well, that's that's how, it, and that's actually what's going to happen here in the world. I mean, this is why God is going to have to send and allow the evil that He's He's going to allow to get people back on the right track, so to speak, because you know, modern man is is so, how shall I put this, seduced by all the latest gadgets and gadgets and moving from this to that that they don't really sit and take time. I mean, if they pray five minutes a day, that that might be you know the best case scenario where. Well, you know, what's about to happen in the world is, is really going to put man on Gilligan's Island, I call it. I mean, people are going to really feel like they're kind of all alone in the world, even though they might have people around them. It's going to be, it's going to be awfully lonely, especially after the economic collapse that will happen here, uh, in the West. But yeah, so I went through an awful lot of suffering, uh, but it was good because it, it's, it helped me to start writing a book. I'm writing a book called Fortress of the Soul. I've been writing it for seven years and hopefully it'll be out at some point, but it, Basically details my journey, a lot of my poems, a lot of my writings in there. And, uh, again, you can find some of the exclusive content on the, on the website I'm releasing to the followers there that haven't been seen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't always the quote unquote Bible thumper. As a matter of fact, Mike, I spend more time with non-Catholics than I do in the Catholic world because, I mean, I think we talked about this last time. Most people who identify as Catholics can't stand me because of the things I have to say. You know, I've got to call out Francis, who I think he's a Freemason. Then even within the whole traditional Catholic world, I'm not well received because, in my opinion, most of them are just phony baloney. They're not real, you know, traditional Catholics, but most of them are are um well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice. They're just they're just phony baloney. Well, you could be yeah. you could be a little you know you could throw something on there. It's fine. Well, I, you know, it's most right. of them <laughs> they, they they form their own little cliques, and if you don't if you don't think according to how they think, they kind of push you off to the side. Well, you know, just me kind of being me, growing up in New Jersey, like I, I don't play that kind of game, and uh, so I, I give them I give them all a bunch of ear you know an earful. Mm, and, that's right. Uh, You're from New Jersey. Yeah, I grew up in New Jersey. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Jersey Shore. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I, I don't play that game. And so they, and, and they don't like that, you know. So, you know, basically I gotta call them out. And, you know, these types of people call me crazy and fake and a fraud. And they, they try to do all kinds of things to slander me, but it hasn't worked, you know. Yeah, you have like a said, lot of detractors, Eric, and you're more than well aware. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, I actually just did a piece yesterday actually naming where, you know, individuals, where the origins of the hate from each individual person came from based upon, you know, my, uh, you know, one-on-one correspondences with them. But like I said, that whole false trad network is quite extensive and, and they, re- and they think that they're really like kind of running things and they're not. Uh, you know, I'm very bold in saying that once, once everything starts to collapse here, that whole network, their whole network is going to kind of 
fall apart as the church goes underground. That's one of the things we could talk about later is, you know, the, the Catholic church is going to go full blown underground like it was, uh, back in, in, in the, you know, the early Roman days where they were feeding Christians to the lions. It's right. going to be worse than that, actually. Just to, just to give you one thing, I mean, to cut you off in that Sister Diane okay. book, it, one of the startling revelations that she had concerning the, the great persecution during the end time, she said just over the course of several years due to the persecution of the Antichrist, uh, he will kill more than in the first few centuries of the martyrs in the church. Few years as compared to the first few centuries. That gives you an idea how many people, uh, and again, it's not infallible, but, you know, there have been other mystics and saints who've said that. It's gonna right. be, it's gonna be awfully a lot worse than the first go around when they were feeding people to the lines and all the mar- I mean, what we're about to go through, uh, in my opinion, in the next like five to ten years, cause that's where I put kind of the great persecution, uh, you know, on a timeline, time frame. Yeah, and we'll, um, we'll, we'll brush over that in a moment here, but I, I did want to um, ask where these other topics were first introduced to you, Eric, because not only do you talk about Catholicism, you also cover a plethora of subjects, and I'm just curious um, where something like, let's say, for an example, Planet X, when did sure. that, yeah, when did that first come into existence for you well planet x is an interesting subject i was talking about this on my radio show a couple weeks ago uh with uh one of the callers i brought on and uh, he was saying you know eric when you first started talking about planet x i thought you were a straight nut job and i said well that's good because the first time i heard planet x i was calling those people a nut job and then when i started really looking at it and i started studying uh prophecy and some of these mystics it became quite clear that all the earth changes that we're seeing are a result of this binary system approaching us uh, one particular mystic who was probably the greatest mystic in the catholic church uh at least in the last 100 years or so marie julie jehenny uh, from France who predicted the apostasy in the Catholic Church and Planet X and Three Days of Darkness, which we talked about last time. Um, it was our Lord specifically, uh, who warned about this radiant planet coming out from the remotest parts of the universe, basically to, I'm paraphrasing now, to crush the Antichrist and the New World Order, basically. So um, that's how we know how it happens in scripture. Uh, so in terms of Planet X, I would say that that's been more like in the past, like, three to four years, but just in general, all these different areas, like say Catholic prophecy in and of itself, I've been studying on and off for two decades. So I would put my knowledge up against really any clergyman. And I've got a lot of clergy that'll come to me and, and ask me questions and kind of pick my brain. And uh, so, you know, Catholic prophecy, I would say is probably my, my forte, but everything else kind of just falls into place. I mean, I, I had, the ability, once I kind of moved back to the Ohio Valley area and I kind of left the world, so to speak, left the business job to where I could be able to, like, research full time. So that's really what I did, uh, you know, for the past decade is, I mean, I really just started looking at investigating to all these different areas that we cover in the New World Order, uh, whether, you know, it's Illuminati itself or Freemasonry or geoengineering aspect or the GMOs and the whole glo- global depopulation thing. And, uh, was able to know it well enough to where I could bring on guests and I bring on, like I said, some of the top guests and I try to pick their brain and learn, uh, and, you know, absorb like a sponge and then kind of see how it fits what we're saying in the Catholic world and then try to present that information, uh, to the public. But, 
you know, that's pretty much in a nutshell. It's just I've been very fortunate to be able to kind of research full time, uh, you know, when others had, you know, maybe, maybe were out doing a nine to five and right. doing this or that. So, I mean, I was very, very fortunate and very blessed in that regard and, and just fit into what God wants me to do now to be able to help people understand the times that we live in. And, um, yeah, so I would, I would say that's, that's pretty much, pretty much it in a nutshell. Understood. And to wrap up the whole planet X Nubiru talk. Um, so that means you are open minded to extraterrestrial life, correct? Well, not, not as such. We would say, I covered this last night on the, uh, the show that I did last night. We believe that quote unquote, what's being called aliens in the mainstream is actually demonic. Yeah. See, that's, that's another thing I was go- going to follow up with. If you thought these beings were demonic, since yes. so many different cultures, ancient cultures have pointed to the stars and mm-hmm. said these star beings have basically come down and basically described as fallen angels per se. Yes. So go ahead, Eric. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it. Our Lady of La Salette and approved, uh, Marian apparition in 1846. It was talked about, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary warned that the demons of the air would work together with the Antichrist, who I think is Maitreya. That's his general name. His website, shareinternational.org. Don't ask me who he is in the world right now. I don't think he's on the world scene, but that's just kind of the general name attributed to him. But anyway, you know, with all this phenomena going around, eventually, as things get worse in the world, people are going to get desperate to look for an answer. And so they'll be looking up at the skies and seeing all these, you know, various false prodigies and, and you know, they'll integrate Project Bluebeam into it. So uh, when I was speaking last night, I said probably the majority of what you're seeing in the air is probably more just advanced technology that you and I both know, you know, the governments have. I mean, it's like 50 plus years more advanced than than what the mainstream knows you know, they have in terms of technology. But then the other, I would say, is actually just truly interdimensional. Like, I mean, it truly is demonic. Uh, now, in terms of just the whole alien topic in general, that's not really my, like, I'm not going to sit there and try to debate someone for a half hour. Uh, the church, there's some theologians who say it's, it, it's infallibly taught that there cannot be aliens, but then I say, well, you know what, in, in the 1958 Baltimore Catechism, which most traditionalists would still use in the Catholic Church, it's, it's kind of leaves it as an open question. So, you know, it's kind of like I, I don't really get wrapped up in it. All I can tell you is that what we're seeing right now ties in with the New World Order endgame. You're, you're going to have the demons of the air working up top there. And then on on the boots on the ground, so to speak, are the new, when we get into the New Age here, it's these ascended masters, which uh, Maitreya says are spread out all through the world. And so these highly advanced, uh, I don't know how you want to put them, I, I literally label them as fallen angels in the flesh. Um, so, you know, again, in the air, you'll have demons in the air on the, on the ground. You'll have, uh, these fallen angels, fallen angels in the flesh, which will kind of seduce humanity, tell them, you know, we're here to help you, to guide you. You know, we have the answers. You just, you know, you just got to take this guy's mark basically. And, and one of the ascended masters is going to be the biblical false prophet that everyone's, you know, always talking about. You know, that's one of the things I was hoping to get into today, actually, is why Francis is not the biblical false prophet, because I see Protestants saying that, I see traditional Catholics saying that, and he's not. I mean, what's coming after Francis is going to be far worse 
even than what he's doing. Yes, uh, we'll definitely get into that. But before we do, um, I, I did want to bring up this. Uh, now, Eric, there are a lot of Christian listeners out there, as well as, as uh, those absent of religion. It seems like lots of my listeners are slightly opposed to Catholicism, to say the least. It's As soon as I mention that I'm going to be bringing in someone of that faith, they get very angry. I'm, oh, not, well, yeah. I'm not exactly quite sure why. I mean, I thought they would be a little bit more open-minded and, and not so opposed to different ideas and philosophies. Well, that's just it. That's the times that we live in. It's everything that, that basically Jesus had warned about, that there would be a great persecution, that mo- that modern man truly in general is not interested in religion. And this is why, I mean, I don't, I'm not honestly trying to play the fear card, but this is Understood. honestly why, yeah. why, why God is going to wipe the table clean in the three days of darkness. All the enemies of the church perish in those three days. No one, no one, no one of no religion is getting past that point. It doesn't matter if you go hide in a bunker. You got yourself, you know, an underground cave in Colorado. You're you're going. You're not going to be around after because it's a spiritual chastisement, much like there was one in the Old Testament. So it's going to seem like the Catholic Church is going to perish. Like I said, we're going to go underground, but it's going to be kind of a glorious resurrection, like Christ had when when the apostles thought Jesus was dead and it was over with on the cross. You know, many of them abandoned him, right? And we all know what happened. You know, three days later he rose. So it's going to be very similar with the Catholic Church. And that's, it's, it's very interesting because that you said that because the, the most recent story today, I don't know if you saw this, uh, piggybacking off what has transpired in the church with the Cardinal Pell scandal down in Australia, the whole sex abuse thing that we had Cardinal McCarrick just recently over the past few weeks getting busted and, you know, he had to step down. Now today, I don't know if you saw this, uh, it's all over the news, by the way, uh, report detailing sexual abuse by 300 priests in Pennsylvania's Catholic Church. Now, the reason why this hits home is because it's only about a half hour from me in the Pittsburgh area. So there was 300 priests yes. busted, predator priests, uh, that, Apparently, there's over a thousand child victims, and it gets pretty graphic, at least here on the CNN thing. But I mean, raping, you know, seven-year-olds, eleven-year-olds. But here's here's what people have to understand. First of all, okay, Jesus started the Catholic Church. He started religion. Okay, he handed over the keys to Pope Saint Peter, and he said, "Upon this church, I will build this. You know, I will upon you, Peter, my rock, I will build the church." What people have to understand is on that, on a certain, we're all sinners. You are capable of doing something really crazy, uh, Michael, just as I am. Sure. So for those without religion who want to point the finger like, okay, well, I'll never be Catholic because you guys are just a bunch of pedos. Well, A, uh, pedophilia is, you know, still, you know, you can, you're still liable to falling into some type of sin like that or rape sure. or murder this, this or anything. Is, this is one of the reasons why, Eric, that many of my listeners are opposed to Catholicism because of the whole ongoing uh, priesthood in the Catholic Church being basically, well, some of them uh, even protected uh, for these uh, sexual molestation uh, molestation um, uh, accusations, rather. And it's just something that is troubling that does go on more than we think it does. So I think this is one of those reasons why so many are kind of, once they hear that word Catholicism, they get, they get a little angry here. Right. Well, we have to, again, differentiate Catholicism between Vatican II modernism. The, right. the, the people in the hierarchy, they're not Catholics. 
My local bishop here, is he, is he real Catholic? No, he's not teaching the Catholic faith. Now, yeah. also, what your, your listeners have to understand is, uh, per the, per what has been warned about from all these pre, you know, Vatican II mystics and even Bella Dodge, she wrote a book. She, she was the leader of the Communist Party here during, I think, the 20s and the 30s. She, when she converted to Catholicism, right? Uh, she warned that, uh, they, a thousand Marxist, uh, agents were infiltrated into the seminaries. So what I'm saying is predominantly when you hear this pedophilia and all these scandals, it's the Freemasons in the Catholic Church. They're, they're not real Catholics. They're pretenders. Now I'm not saying every single one of them. I'm not giving them all a pass because like I said, pe- people are people. I mean, you could still have, you know, just a regular priest who, who's not truly a modernist. Right. Who has issues in that? As a matter of fact, that 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 it that does occur in the traditional world. Trust me, I, I've covered it before. I actually had one priest who was on my Facebook, who I later found out in the traditional world, you know, had issues in that area that I, that I didn't know about when I was talking. So what I'm saying is, this is what people have to understand: that the Catholic Church has been infiltrated, it's been subverted, it is on purpose being presented to the mainstream media as such, so it can be hated so that the new religion can come into play, right? The Catholic Church is the bad guy, so now we, we need something new. We need the new age. We need this, uh, you know, this, this, uh, false prophet guy to come onto the scene and he'll be the one. Once you take this mark, he'll feed you, he'll clothe you, he'll house you, and how many people are gonna buy into that? They're going to buy into that. Yeah, sure. this is everything that the uh, Catholic Church had warned about beforehand. Jesus says at one point in, in scripture, Michael, think ye when the Son of Man cometh, Will I find faith on the earth? It is, I'm going to use this very strong word, it's at least the unanimous opinion of the church fathers. And typically when we're talking about a unanimous opinion of those early apostles, we claim infallibility on it. But uh, as I mentioned, the church goes underground and the church becomes very small. So you, you take a look around and you see as an organization how big the church is. I don't, you know, I don't know what the numbers are at this point, that, you know, millions or, you know, billions even. But think about that, you know, to be reduced to such a small number that it won't even be recognizable. And so this is what I'm saying. We're we're transitioning out out of a truly Catholic world because in the good old days and in the medieval days, predominantly it was Catholic. And then, of course, you had, you know, Protestants breaking off, whether it was Luther or, you know, Calvin or who else. And then from that revolution, the Catholic Church warned, once you break off from the Catholic Church, it goes into Protestantism. Then it ultimately slams down to the Antichrist, to atheistic uh, materialism. And so this is what we, we see happening. We see prophecy happening right before our eyes. And there will be an article I want to get into later co- covering yes. how these uh, Talmudic uh, Jews are talking about how their Messiah is here. That's that's not our Messiah. That, that's what we call that's who we call the Antichrist. Okay? Yes. They say he's alive. He's here. You know, one of the other issues that some of the listeners, uh, they send me over time is... And I'm playing devil's advocate here. I hope you don't mind. But this is no, something, yeah, yeah, this is something they wanted me to bring up to you. So I thought, sure. I thought, you know, Eric is game. He's not going to run away from any of this. So I thought, well, why the hell not? It makes for a great conversation anyways, right? Yeah, whatever you want to ask. I'm, yeah, I'm an open book. Go ahead. Yeah, so one, one of the issues the listeners always throw at me is, and mind you, this is the the, the Christian belts out there. They always tell me that the Roman Catholic Church teaches that Mary was sinless and that Mary was a co-mediator with Christ. And they, they take a lot of issue with that. 
Well, on the level of her being sinless, yes. Uh, here's the difference between Catholics and Protestants. Catholic, what, and, and again, the Catholic Church is the only church that can claim apostolic succession. Any of the Protestants out there that are Lutheran, they broke off from the Catholic Church. This can be proven historically, you know, whatever it was, 1500, whatever the year was. We're the only church that literally can show apostolic succession, meaning going from Pope, 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 like a family tree. Right. Okay, so Pope's, mm-hmm. Pope St. Peter was the first Catholic Pope, the, 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 uh, the Pope who got crucified upside down. You'll even have Protestants protest that. I can't, you know, I, you know, you can't argue against pride. It's historical. 32 AD to 68 AD. And there's historical text proving that, demonstrating how the other apostles, uh, basically said, you know, he held primacy over the church. That's what we call papal primacy. So it's historical. It's just like looking at World War II. Okay. It happened in that year. Well, that's, that's the way it is with the Catholic Church. So that's our starting point, right? So what the Catholic Church has always said is there's two aspects to the Word of God, which Protestants deny. A is obviously Scripture, which, by the way, the Catholic the Catholic Church gave the world the Bible, <laughs> the original Bible. B, there's what we call tradition, Catholic tradition, those early teachings in the Church which weren't included in the Bible. So, so Protestants think, well, everything Jesus said and what was truly taught is just in the Bible. No. Not a chance. I mean, there was so many more texts written in, you know, the first five, six hundred years that we call oral and written tradition that we actually use to support in terms of like when we're talking about the end times or the Antichrist. So when I talk specifically on these end times, I always try to refer back to tradition. What what did the early church fathers say about the Antichrist or, you know, on this particular topic? So I'm building up to a point here. uh, Allow me. When we get to Mary being sinless, that's in the tradition of the church. All the early saints and church fathers said that over and over and over again. So who's right? The Protestants who broke off from the church and protest. By the way, that's what a Protestant is. We protest, whatever. Okay, that's great. But show me how what you believe actually can be found in the earliest portions of the church. It cannot be. So then we come back to the question of authority, Michael. Who has authority? Does the Catholic Church have authority or do these Protestants? The Protestants do not. That's why we as Catholics, we, you know, quite honestly, you know, I try to be as nice as I can, but I, I don't see even Protestants as a Christian. They're heretics to us. They've broken themselves off from the, body, the one body of Christ that Jesus Christ has established because only G- Jesus handed over the keys to Peter and he said, what you bind on earth, I will uh, bind in heaven. So on the matters of faith and morals, the church is infallible. Not on everything. This is where Protestants go wrong. They think, you know, just because a pope, you know, says, you know, uh, cookie crisp is the best cereal, they think that's infallibility. No. It's very, very limited papal infallibility. In fact, it's only been invoked one time over the past 50-something years, and that's when John Paul II reiterated tradition and said women can't be priests, just as the early, uh, obviously, the first disciples weren't. So right. that that's a, that's the main difference uh, when we're talking about the whole you know the whole sinless question. So when you say, well, well, I don't believe in that. Well, I guess apparently you know better than the early apostles who were around Jesus. So <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't you know I can't help that. I mean that's that's either you're either ignorant, you don't know that, or b that's prideful to think that that you know better that you know than someone like Saint Jerome or something like. I mean I, I can't argue. Well, you some know, people with you know how people. they yeah some you know how some people are. Well, you know, but there's some people who will listen. I mean, don't sure. get me wrong. I mean, I've seen a lot of Protestants actually convert, uh, you know, due to this, you know, you know, dealing with them. I told you last time I've got an outside ministry dealing with, uh, you know, girls in the escort, 
prostitutes, even a pornographic uh, industry, and most of them are Protestant. And I, I've seen, you know, I've seen a share of them convert over to Catholicism. And they know, uh, by the way, they know a lot about this stuff. They know about Planet X. They know about what's coming. That's hysterical. Uh, is, yeah, a lot of them. Uh, yeah, out your, you know, out your way in L.A. And there's a couple big name, big name ones that are, you know, they're ready to move uh, out into oh, wow. not 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 my area per se, but down like in the Arkansas area. And uh, they've they've got like a little bug out place down there. So yeah, I mean well, it's, it's probably good for them. Well, yeah, I mean it's good to first of all get out of what the, what they were doing. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, yeah, like I said, I'm open. That's to, progress. To talk. A little progress there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a tough world. It, it, you know, basically Catholic bashing is. I mean, it's in vogue now. And all all that I'm saying is is eventually the 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 playing field gets leveled. All the enemies of the church they get wiped out in this three days of darkness. Uh, and, 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 you know, the good and the bad are going to die through the process, but on the other side of the, the storm, so to speak, what, what will remain is, uh, essentially Catholics and, and those, uh, Protestants who will convert to Catholicism. And it's, in, and it's in these prophecies where, when we're talking about this triumph of the Immaculate Heart period, where this, it's also synonymous with, uh, the term we call, uh, the Eucharistic reign of Jesus. That's another thing that Protestants deny, which is, I mean, it's right there in Scripture when Jesus said, "He he who does not eat of eat of my body does not have everlasting life." Well, that's what the Eucharist is in the Catholic Church. So right. <laughs> you throw that one at Protestants, and you watch their heads spin, you know, and try to watch them squeamishly trying to, you know, figure out how to get their way out of that one. Oh, yes, because they they actually, they actually deny, you know, the, the literal presence of Jesus, which is quite interesting too. Because um, I I will argue that in the times ahead. When everything gets really bad, food supply gets really bad, water supply gets really bad, contaminated. Sister Jan talked about this in her prophecies too. Um, that's basically what we're going to subsist on is the body of Christ during the end times. Those yes. true followers. That, that's why the, the the motto of my website is uh, from Scripture: "Where the body is, there also the eagles will gather." Okay, the body in a mystical sense. We're, we're talking about our, our Lord. So we eagles eat literally off of uh, our Lord, who is our spiritual food, just like the Hebrew children eat, you know, ate the manna out in the wilderness uh, when they were roaming around for, for 40 days. But it, And there were mystics, by the way. I, t- I spoke on, about this on last night's show. There were mystics such as Blessed Anna Emmerich, who literally lived on the Eucharist for 12 years, didn't eat anything else, no McDonald's cheeseburger, nothing, 12 straight years, no food, no water. Straight body of Jesus through the Eucharist. Good Lord. And, yeah. And it was recorded. See what those types of things, when you have someone who purportedly is that holy or, you know, a stigmatist like Marie Julie Zahani, what the church does is will actually hand them over to like a third party, me, you know, medical observer. And most of the time, most, you know, mo- most of those medical and science people, you know, they're atheists or they're not Catholics. Sure. So they, they, ha- they actually have to prove scientifically, okay, this is supernatural what's going on. Now, obviously, it's pretty supernatural if you're not eating for 12 years. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, so Blessed Anna Emmerich was the one, by the way, who Mel Gibson made that Passion of the Christ movie. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. she's the mystic that Mel Gibson followed. In writing, in writing that film. And she also spoke about this infiltration of the church. She talked about this one world religion coming. She talked about a lot of things. Yeah, by the way, uh, speaking of Mel Gibson, I can't even believe he made his way back into Hollywood after what he did. 
Yeah, I actually tried to contact him. Did you really? Uh, yeah, some years ago Amazing. because there was rumor, rumors that he was starting a Fatima movie. Oh. And uh, what's kind of interesting, interesting, I just had a guest on this past weekend, Dr. Holnowski, and this opens up a whole other can of worms uh, because, as I mentioned, the Catholic Church has been taken over by these Masons, these Marxists, uh, you know, often who are, who are pedophiles. And uh, he, there's uh, the character that was revealed this secret to the third secret sister lucia anyone could go on to google right now and just t- like type in sister lucia fatima take a look at some of the pictures pre-1958 then post-1958 and you're gonna look at it and be like that don't look like the same person well he just ran some diagnostic you know test he had some professional guy working on it and indeed the results came back saying this was a fraud an imposter so could we be talking cloning I mean, literally, what happened to the real Sister Lucia? It's not the same person. Uh, so now we got a situation. And the reason why that's important is because that post-58 uh, Sister Lucia was was not fa- – I'm trying to put this in layman's terms for your, for your listening audience. She, she wasn't at all following what the original Fatima message was. She was basically making it sound like, you know, the consecration of Russia was done, everything's hunky-dory. You know, it's everything's okay type right, of thing. Right. And that's not what the, you know, the real sister who said, uh, you know, had a little bit more sense of urgency. She knew it was about the apostasy in the church, which several cardinals came out who read the real third secret, like Cardinal Odie, Cardinal Chiappi, uh, Father Malachi Martin came out and said it. And, and it all dealt with apostasy in the church. It dealt with a quote unquote pope being under the control of Satan and it wouldn't be a true pope, it would be a false pope, what we call an anti pope. Um so that you know that's what we're dealing with. What what your Christian world would identify as Babylon, uh so to speak, which is going to be the next step here, that that's not going to be the Catholic Church. And that that's what I, I'm trying to get p- conveyed to the public is don't look at the Vatican right now and say, That's Catholicism. That's not Catholicism. It's not at all what the church teaches. Uh, and again, that's why I'm not popular in the Catholic world either. It's modernism. It's a phony flavor of Catholicism, which isn't Catholicism, which is often interjected. Uh, the, the principles in this conciliar church are free, Freemasonic. It comes from the Freemasonic sect. So, um, yes. yeah. I, and to, you know, just to wrap up the whole criticism, um, you well, not just you, but all Catholics out there. Um, one of the other issues I, I believe people tend to have besides the whole pedophile thing but i think that's actually the main issue i think most people have but those are you know from people that um don't really know much about the religion and the vatican and what we just talked about but furthermore some people even would say and have said that catholicism is a cult and i i just think that's that's a little well, too far there to say that. Um, personally, I believe something like Scientology is more leaning towards of a cult. Well, it de- it depends on how you like how you how you mean it, I guess. I mean, to get back to your previous point, that's because those people uh, shooting arrows from the outside, a they don't really know what the Catholic Church teaches. They right. think they know that what it teaches, and then I go on and when I'm debating a Protestant, and I show actually what the Church teaches. Like say, what for example, we worship Mary. Okay, show me one catechism that shows me that we worship Mary. There is no one catechism. There is no one teaching. As a matter of fact, Protestants are so ignorant they don't even realize that in the early church there was a little sect of Catholics who was worshiping Mary. And guess what happened to them? They got excommunicated. 
Okay, so the Catholic Church actually took action against some purported Catholics, like, around the year, I, I forget what it was. I mean, it was in the way early church. I, don't, I can't right. remember. It was, like, 400 A.D. or whatever. So my point is, we don't worship Mary. Uh, you know, praying to the saints and praying to all that it truly is found, uh, in scripture. It's truly found, uh, in the tradition of the church. Um, and I, I can just speak for myself. I got my act together through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, through praying the rosary. I wouldn't have broken from all the addictions if I didn't have, uh, her assistance. So I, you know, that's part of my story too. And I'm trying to remember what the the second part. Oh, the cult, whole cult question. Well, in a, in a certain sense, you're, you're right, Michael. We are the cult of the true God. We are we are a cult. We are a cult of God. Now that's it's it's interesting because the terminology that was used at the close of Vatican II by Pope Paul VI, just to kind of summarize my point, as uh, I'm trying to convey to your listeners that we've been taken over by Freemasonry. He basically was calling out to the humanists of the world and anyone who studies and knows Freemasonry, naturalism, things along those lines, knows how intricate humanism, especially secular humanism, is and is connected with um, Freemasonry. And you can find that at any lodge. And so at the close of the council in 1965, he, he was making a speech, and, and, and just to kind of paraphrase it, he, he equated Vatican II to being representative of the cult of man. No, folks, as a Catholic, I don't want to be a part of the cult of man, which is synonymous with the Freemasons, okay? And it's actually the second step in Satanism, as Father Hess points out. It's literally like the new Tower of Babel being constructed all over again in which people from all religions are being, you know, making it seem like every anyone from any religion is okay. That's basically what the interfaith movement is. That's what the whole false ecumenical program of Vatican II is. You've got now cardinals saying Jews don't even have to convert to the faith when that runs contrary to scripture. He who denies the son does not have the father. So whether it's a Jew or a Muslim or anyone, if you deny the son, when you stand before the son in the end, he's going to deny you. It's pretty, it's pretty basic. It's, it's not like complex theology. So we've got hered, we've got a heretical hierarchy. That's what it is. They're not, they're not Catholics. They're like, you're Catholic in name. That's it. And so that's why they avoid me. That's why I get blocked on Twitter by La Observatore Romano and some of the cardinals and some of the, you know, the top prelates in the church. They don't want to debate me because they know I can expose them based upon what the church uh, has always taught. So, um, yeah, I'm proud to call myself a Catholic. Um, it takes it takes some time and some study, like I said, um, on these various issues. But when you break it down, you see how the doctrines that, the, you know, Protestants will try to raise, they're, they're in the tradition of the church and oftentimes in scripture. And that's what I was getting at before. The word of God is scripture and tradition together. Protestants just say it's Bible alone. Jesus never taught, he never taught that at, down to his apostles through the, through the earliest writings of his church. As a matter of fact, it's in scripture. Uh, it's somewhere in Thessalonians where St. Paul is talking about hold on to the traditions I have taught you either by word or by deed, meaning written down. That's what we call oral and written tradition. Yes. So it's in scripture, actually. Uh, you know, so that, that's what happens is like, you know, Protestants seem to think I got a Bible, I open it and I'm the interpreter. No, that's why Jesus left a church. And I'll even have some Protestants say, well, Jesus never started a church. And I say, well, doesn't scripture say he started a church? <laughs> it says it right, right there, right. Matthew, I think 16. I'm glad, Funny. I'm glad I have you on to further clear up some some misunderstandings 
And I know it is helping some out there who were curious about this sort of thing. I, I did want to ask you a little bit about Father Malachi Martin. However, sure. I, however, I thought I could hold off just a little bit before uh, bringing him up uh, to talk to you a little bit about the NFL, Eric. Have you been keeping up with them at all? Uh, probably not as much as I should be. Uh, I did run a piece like about six months ago and it's, it's, it's actually a, a newer topic that I'm getting into, but, uh, essentially Freemasons started football. Uh, it came from the Freemasons. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know if we take a break during the show. I could probably pull up my article. I wasn't prepared uh, to speak on it, but, um, a lot of the hand gestures that are made are actually, you know, like the touchdown signal. I mean, these are all Masonic hands, hand signs. Uh, that kind of fly by. Really? Uh, most. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a Masonic game for sure. I was not even aware of that. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll occasionally watch a game, and I'm a bit perplexed by the NFL's decision for the new rules, and uh, now the introduction to male cheerleaders. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that I did. Yeah, that I did. I did cover that. Um, yeah. I mean, that we're gonna file that one under what? the whole Mas- Masonic <laughs> equality thing. And, what, you know, what's everyone's going gotta on? have their share. And I, you know, I was oh, actually my. joking around with my 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 dad about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I said, just just wait, they're gonna have a transgender quarterback here soon. I'm, I'm telling you, it's gonna get really bizarre. Well, they already mean, they already have perhaps the first woman who's gonna be on the team on a team rather. Uh, is that the kicker you're yes. talking about? Mm-hmm. So maybe they're already on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could see it. Yeah. You're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, that we're on to something there. I mean, like I said, it's it's it comes from the Freemasons and they purport and teach, of course, liberty, equality, fraternity. That's something that Americans don't seem to get. And I, I have to keep constantly hashing this over. We were never uh, a Christian country. We were always founded largely by Freemasons. We're, we're a Masonic country, uh, and, uh, you know, you take a look at the back of your dollar bill, uh, even, you know, you, you see pyramids and, and the pledging to the, sure. the new order of the ages. We're basically the blueprint country for uh, the new world order. Yeah, this is a Masonic it, Republic, and the logo of the program reflects that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, Correct. you know, that's the thing. When I was talking about it last night, your lower-level Masons have no idea what's going on. Um, you know, but the higher-up Masons, they they know that Freemasonry in the end is a Luciferian uh, sect. It's a, you know, religion, 32nd, 33rd-degree Masons. You know, that's that's when you're kind of, like, really in the club and you really know what's going on. Right. And you basically can't be a world leader without being in the club, so to speak. So and I without, personally think Yeah, and I without owning Trump, someone. Yeah, so I mm-hmm. think Trump is a 33rd degree Scottish Freemason. I think uh, Pope Francis, he's really an anti-pope. I don't even like using that word, right. pope, but Francis is a high-ranking Freemason. You've got uh, that knucklehead over there, the Kim Jong-un guy. He comes from <laughs> a long line of yes. Freemasons. The Erdo guy, the Erdogan guy is a crypto Jew. He gives all kinds of Masonic hand signs. Well, uh, what's the other knucklehead there in Germany, Merkel. I, you don't get to be one of these guys unless you're not in the club. And then you had uh, Macron, the, the France leader. He came over here to the United States in the past two months. I don't know if you saw those pictures. And uh, the short video I posted where he's pl- he said, you know, between the United States and France, we have got a great opportunity to build a new world order. And you see everyone clapping, including Trump, and he's giving the Bahamut sign out in the, you know, out on the um the balcony there with Trump. I'm like, listen, you know, I don't, just don't understand how people could be that delusional to think that there wouldn't be some type of conspiracy to usher in, you know, this antichrist figure. It, just, it blows my mind. Like people just don't, 
I, I don't think they want to just have to deal with reality, period. Most of right. them. Right. A lot of them are, are so, somewhat already brainwashed. They're already pre-programmed. Lots of them are, as Father Malachi Martin would say, perfectly possessed. Yeah, that's an, that's another area that's well said. You know, the brainwashing aspect between you know the GMOs and probably all the beefaroni they're eating is just not not a whole lot's clicking up there. You know, it's it's we really are a dumbed down society. As Charlotte Isabet, who's been on my program a lot, has uh, said, and she was a former head. Of, I think she was a former head of education under Reagan. She's been on my show several times, and she's written a lot of books on this. I've had Dr. Duke Pesta cover this as well. Common Core. Yeah, we're being integrated into the, the new world order and right. people don't even realize it. What they think it's normal. Like they think like this is the natural progression that we should move into and they don't realize that they're going to be they're going to have to be subservient to uh this antichrist figure. You're right. And and, and it's scary. Right. And to further tag on to that, do you believe there is a war against male masculinity in this country, Eric? Oh yeah, without a doubt, uh, without a doubt. I mean, like you said, uh, you know, just kind of taking a look at the nightly news or commercials or even some of the, the posters and and billboards that you're seeing going up in Europe. You know, the feminization of uh, men. I'm trying to think of the guest who I had on recently, yeah, Doctor. This comes from Dr. the extreme, Doctor Duncan. He's probably right, and we are seeing a lot of this from the extreme left. I, oh, I yeah. truly believe. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, Dr. Duncan was his name. He was a great guest. I had him on for an hour. We talked about that. But it's also in the foods that we eat, too, and a lot of the things that we just ingest into our body, which are actually feminizing guys, giving them, you know, like male boobs and lowering their testosterone levels. And even I think it's plastics. If you drink a lot of plastics, there's a lot of stuff that will make you go sterile. Right, in the water. I mean, they're, they're doing this stuff all on purpose uh, to kind of probably try to create some just some type of neuter person, you know, <laughs> trying to get us all down to some, you know, Manhattan project. It is interesting, though, and I'm glad you, you did talk about that on your program because it is a very interesting and fascinating subject. Uh, to talk about seeing how society has been changing. We're seeing uh, this country so divided. Never before has it ever been like this. And it, it, it's truly astonishing to see all sorts of different factions uh, feuding with each other. You're seeing all these riots in the streets. It, it's almost like end times in a way. It is. And we, we are. There's not, like I said, there's not a whole lot left that the New World Order has to get accomplished uh, before this guy comes onto the scene. The next major thing will be the economic collapse, the stock market crash here in the West. Again, I've had on some of the top-named guests in the economic world. They all say it's imminent, excuse me, including Lynette Zhang, who came on my show this past year and said it will happen 100% by the end of this year. I personally don't think that now. I, I don't think right. it's going to happen. Uh, that's my own personal take, and but she's you know very well respected. I should be getting her back on soon. But once that happens, per Matreya's writings, he says he'll shortly arrive onto the scene. He's first going to show up here in the United States, by the way, and give his first major speech on international TV here in the United States. So we're going to literally see the biblical Antichrist, in my opinion, first here. And I don't know how you want to quantify shortly, oh whether that's a few months. I don't know if it's a year or two. Uh, you know, as, as people are kind of, you know, like it, it, we're going to turn into another Venezuela or Greece. We'll be digging through garbage cans, you know, shooting zoo animals, probably shooting each other. I mean, unfortunately, I, I hate to make it sound like that. There'll probably be an awful lot of cannibalism. 
I mean, that's what they want. They want, that's what the New World Order motto is. Freemasonry's uh, free motto, out of chaos comes order. Yes, and Eric, so they, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but we are coming up to a break here, and I thought we could both use a little break before we jump back into several of these topics that uh, you wanted to uh, cover here, uh, especially about the Antichrist some more, and, of course, some uh, more questions from the listeners out there I got. And, sure. Yeah. So just um, hang tight, and, and we'll be right back, Eric. We'll, oh, damn, mute button. Sorry about that. Forgot I had you on mute there, Eric. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Was that the whole time we were on mute? No, 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 not the whole time. Just right now, I, I thought you said something. No, 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 no. I didn't say anything. Okay, no. yes. But, yeah, just hang tight, and, and we'll be right back. All right, I'm going to grab a glass of water. All right, perfect. And welcome back to the program. I'm here with Eric. What's going on? I'm doing pretty good, Michael. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I enjoyed that little break there. Yes, me too. Need a little glass of water and uh hopefully we'll get rolling back into I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to cover. I did I did want to cover why people are wrong on Francis being the biblical false prophet. As I mentioned, it's Protestant yes. saying it, but it's also Catholic saying it now too, and it's it's not true. Yeah, let's get into that. Okay, so I did uh, an article uh, some months ago talking about this because there's certain characteristics from what these early church fathers said, and even from Scripture, too, as to how how this biblical false uh, prophet character would be, one of which, and it's only six, I, I broke it down to six, it could have made it more elaborate, but just to, just to give you an idea, uh, from Scripture and the esteemed theologians of the church, they say that the biblical false prophet, right, who's going to be the the uh Robin to the Batman, he's going to be, you know, his, his sidekick. He's going to have the ability to stir up false signs and wonders in the world, but specifically they make mention of him being able to cause fire to fall from the heavens. Okay, now I'm going to put this bluntly, and I'm going to try to say this without being sarcastic. Do you honestly see the person of Francis calling down fire from heaven anytime soon? Um <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I always say he reads like a, a Sunday all. morning comic. He's he's more hilarious with what he has to say. It's almost like, did he really say that and mean it type of thing? Uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if he can even get his shoes tied in the morning. And again, I think he's, you know, the reason why I'm so blunt with him, I really truly believe that he's a wolf and he knows he's a wolf. He's a Freemasonic, high-ranking Freemason. He knows what he's doing, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I can't subjectively judge his soul as the church teaches, but... When the church teaches, by the way, if you suspect someone of being a Freemason, you avoid them. So in other words, okay. he's a wolf in sheep's clothes. That's it. Okay. So, but anyway, but he, he's like kind of goofy. Like even some of the liberals don't even like him, which is bad. And by the way, oh, yeah. I, I wanted to make this point before I get into the second point, uh, talking about, you know, you, you said your listeners, well, they don't like Catholicism because of, you know, the whole pedo thing. And again, the pedo thing is largely comes from the Freemasons, which have infiltrated the church and the Marxists. Uh, but what people don't realize is Benedict was sort of in the process of getting things squared away in that area. And this very uber 
liberal, left-wing, New Age mafia. They literally call themselves a mafia. Saint, Saint Gallian Mafia ousted him. Okay, they got rid of him. He didn't actually really resign, as mainstream media said, like on his own. He was coerced to leaving. And this was admitted by their top leaders, Cardinal Martini, Cardinal Daniels. Cardinal Martini, by the way, was a 33rd degree Freemason when once he died, the Freemasons, uh, you know, basically showed up at his funeral and had a big shin bag for him. Like it wasn't any hidden knowledge that he wasn't a Freemason. So my, my point is that that's where they are. They're embedded in the Vatican. So again, I'm trying to paint the picture of don't look at the Vatican and say, oh, that's Catholicism. Uh, because I'm looking at it and saying, well, I don't want to be that either because they're modernists. They're not Catholics. <laughs> that's the whole point. Um, so uh, the second thing is, as it relates to Francis not being a biblical false pro- prophet, is we, we know that he is going to be the one that is going to set up the Antichrist image, what everyone calls the abomination of desolation, right? It's in Scripture. Uh, and Father Barry records this on page 138 of his very important uh, writing on the apocalypse. And that hasn't been done yet. There, there's no, you know, setting up of, of, of statues in any place on, on the large scale. I actually do know of some churches and people will email me. It's happening in some areas in Asia. You know, that Maitreya Buddha statue. That's essentially what it's going to be, by the way, the, like that Maitreya Buddha statue that they, they have out there, um, you know, in the far eastern countries. Right. And by the way, by AI technology, that image will come to life. And that's where I bring on Anthony Patch onto my program because that's where artificial intelligence and yes. all the technology, that, that image will literally come to life at one point, as Scripture says. Um, go ahead. Did you want to say something before? I, I could just ramble on. Oh, no. Day. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to <laughs> later bring up uh, the miracle of Fatima. But we, we could say that for later. Yeah. I want to cover that, too, because that, that actually... Uh, helps me to refute L.A. Marzulli's claim that Fatima was uh, demonic, and uh, I can share with you a personal I had a, story about yeah, that. Yeah, I had a feeling you would bring him up, so I thought I could sort yeah. of uh, silently, silently, you know, yeah. sure that in there. Well, we'll get we'll get into that <laughs> after this. The third is he actually hasn't established these new sacraments which are coming. When he shows up, one one of them is going to be this counterfeit baptism, which everyone commonly calls the mark of the beast where everyone is going to basically have to sign seal and deliver their soul over to the devil of course you know the microchip is is a part of that process but that hasn't happened yet uh the fourth and i'm moving very quickly here i could talk probably like 10 minutes on each point but i I know we got i mean you you know certain certain corporations have introduced the whole microchip but not it's not that um mainstream yet not, right not exactly yet. it's still pretty much in uh trial and error type phase yes i agree yeah Continue. no doubt about it mm-hmm. but we're moving in that direction with all the you know the facial recognition payment yeah, just, systems they have now just, on your phone just look at your damn hurt. yeah just look at your damn phone wow exactly my goodness. uh the fourth is up until this point we know the false prophet is going to point to the Antichrist and get everyone to wonder after him, but then also basically to fa- follow him and worship him. So my question is, if if Francis is the true false prophet, who is the Antichrist? Have you seen him point the finger at anyone and say, okay, this guy needs to be, you know, he's our leader, he's our go-to guy? You know, I mean, who has he done that to? What world leader? There, there is none, because he hasn't. So that's another significant sign to indicate that he's not the biblical false prophet. Uh, fifth is... 
Uh, what's going to be very interesting here is he's probably going to quote unquote resign. Again, I hold him as an anti-pope, a false pope, so you can't resign from an office that you don't truly have. Uh, but anyway, there's talk of him resigning. So if he quote unquote resigns, that's really going to kill the whole proposition that he's the biblical false prophet because I mean, nothing would have happened. The Antichrist wouldn't have showed up. The mark of the beast wouldn't have happened. You see what I'm saying? So right. I'm trying to establish yes. some, some logical steps here to conclude how he's not the one. Now, sixth, uh, and building off an earlier comment, as I mentioned, uh, he hasn't established the mark of the beast. He's going to be the literal one to do that, uh, to get everyone to, uh, and by the way, too, I don't know if you saw this show on, it was yesterday. I saw it right before I was doing a, a media appearance last night. The History Channel had a big show on the last pope, and uh, I've done talks on this numerous times, and I see Protestants butchering it. I think the Horn guys, you know, butcher this completely. The Petru, Petrus Romanus, or what I call in my book, Peter II, first of all, is a good and holy pope coming who's going to restore the church. He's not an evil pope, as they're making it out to say. Secondarily, the whole St. Malachi, uh, St. Malachi prophecies, according to most or at least some historians, well-esteemed, uh, theologians, historians, is dubious. It's, it's, it's bogus. Uh, so I know a lot of people use that. I used to use it. I try not to use it anymore. Uh, just because it is kind of more dubious in nature. But nevertheless, there is going to be a good and holy pope who is going to turn things around in the world during or right around the time of, uh, the, you know, in the, uh, of the Antichrist during the tribulation. So Peter II or Petrus Romanus is a good pope. So please, you can't, you know, this is, this is where you have people who are looking from the outside in and they're trying to interpret Catholic prophecy and they're trying to interpret Catholic doctrine. And, and if you're not a Catholic, you're just, you're, you're not going to get it right. So unfortunately. Right. And it doesn't help though that the Vatican has been unable to sort of systematically change anything in their organization and get out from under these horrific scandals that keep, um, occurring and repetitively here. Well, I mean, I would argue, Michael, that they're doing it on purpose, though, as I oh, mentioned. My. They're, they're yeah. trying, they're trying to put yeah. the Catholic, they're I, trying to put the Catholic Church to shame. I pers mean, to personally, get, I, I don't like to think that about humans, you know. I, I, I try to think in the most positive ways about some people, but that's just not the reality of nature, of the, na of nature of, of, of man. Man, yeah. man mostly is wolf to man. We see this time and time again. Um, man lies, cheats, and, and hurts others. It, it's just something in our nature. We are all animalistic in a way. Right. Well, that all stems back to the church's teaching on original sin. We're all born into original sin. Right. And unless you're, you're baptized, you, you have, you don't have an opportunity of getting, uh, to heaven. By so the way, I'm, by the way, I'm agnostic for those out there wondering. Um, I, I don't, uh, well, I'm an, an agnostic atheist, to be honest with you. Just to be blunt. No, yeah, that's fine. I know Rex, I, I've done a leak project. I think Rex is, I mean, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I know Rex identified himself as an agnostic at one point, so. But I don't, the, uh, part of me doesn't completely disagree with, with some of the teaching. Some of it's just common sense. Well, it is. It's meant to be logical. Right. And, uh, the most common sense theologian, if you, if you want to get common sense of Catholicism, just pick up anything that St. Thomas Aquinas wrote, the Summa Theologica, just read that, make that your next uh, reading Michael and you'll say, yeah. okay, like, like I get, like I I'm get it now. He very, he very logically explains religion, you know, from, from start 
to finish. But then what he does is very brilliant. He'll purport like some teaching and then he'll, he'll, uh, give three counterpoints or three counter arguments. Like, okay, this person will say this and then he refutes each and every one very logically, very clear mm-hmm. so that you can understand why the Catholic church is the true church, you know, and just basic doctrines on, on, on morality and all that good stuff. So yeah, I recommend the Summa Theologica. Um, it's a monster book. No doubt. Be, no doubt. be prepared to read. <laughs> yes. But, and, uh, and, and, um, we are coming to a close here though, Eric. So definitely, you know, l- let's get into whatever else you wanted to talk about. And of course I did want to mention your show yet again. You've been doing lots of great work on your website and your, uh, Tradcat Night project that you are uh, fully, you're fully engaged with with this project. They're going to be doing all sorts of different things. You're going to be relaunching your website, if I recall. It's it's already relaunched. We're we're open now. For okay, business, you're, so okay, you're relaunched. Yeah, what I did is I, I switched over. It was on a blog page. It was as a, a blogspot.com. Now it's tradcatnight.org. Okay, so all you have to do is just add the org to it. it makes it a little bit more simple. Simple, but it's you know it's it's uh, more community based. It's new and improved. I've got chat rooms. I've got links explaining you know why Vatican II is wrong. You know, I, I mean, just it's it's so much more interactive. Uh, you know, with the live chats, and I allow, actually allow comments because on most most of my websites I don't allow comments because there's just too much trolling. Too I'm much on it now, by the way. Yeah, I like it. And so and so, uh, you know, ultimately in the end, I, I believe it will be integrated to what I believe God is calling me to do in terms of uh, starting an order in the future when things are at its bleakest. Uh, I guess you could put it. So we've got no formal. Approval by the church yet for obvious reasons. Can you imagine if I went to Francis oh, no. and said, "Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna work." <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, everything's there. You know, all the live call-in shows are are backlogged there. We got the the my. I'm gonna start the special guest podcast shows back up in September, and it's real cheap. You know, it's 15 cents a day, five bucks. I I've had everyone renew so far. Like I said, it's. We're a shade, uh, we're, I think it's like five weeks in now and I haven't, I haven't had one person not renew yet. So we got a hundred percent renewal rate. Oh my. And uh, good. Every, everyone loves it. Very you know? good. So, uh, you did want to talk about, did you want to cover the miracle of Fatima oh, really yeah. quickly? I mean, I could cover that yeah. in like five, ten minutes. Let's, let's talk about the miracle of Fatima of, I believe, October of 1917. If, if I, if, if that's accurate, is it? Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I knew, I, I think, um, how should I put this? Well, let's just start with Marzulli, I guess, first. Oh, first yes. Let, let's get let me, into that. Let me, let me backtrack with Uh-oh. that. Um, you know, I had him on my program. Let's see. It was probably six months before he released that whole thing. And I didn't know he was working on it. He didn't tell me he was working on it. And he was one of my guests. He was on my show. We were talking about the Nephilim and, you know, all Red-headed kinds of Red-headed giants, yes. <laughs> yeah, giants. The Afghan giant. Yeah, that, that's what it was. And so we, we were talking off air beforehand for about an hour, and within the first like five minutes or so, he brought that up. Well, his, his general statement was, um, "Well, you know, most of these Marian apparitions are, are false." And I said, "That's actually true because most of them are false. I mean, the church teaches that typically, like one out of every thousand is an authentic, you know, Marian apparition site, especially the modern ones, because." The modern ones, you know, the seers are saying, you know, all religions are good or they're saying, I mean, it, it completely runs contrary to Catholic teaching. The Blessed Virgin Mary isn't saying any of that stuff. Correct. So that's, so that's what I always look for is with, you know, what the seers are saying that the Virgin Mary supposedly said. And once you see it contradicts tradition, you know, it's bogus. 
So anyway, so he, he starts talking about uh, Fatima, and he said, well, well, you know, this one's false, too. And I said, why so? So he, he starts going into it, and he starts going to his whole spiel like he did in his documentary. You know, it's, you know, it was demonic and blah, blah, blah. I, I said, L.A., your premise doesn't even make sense. First of all, up, building up until that point of the miracle uh, of, of the sun, which is commonly called in the Catholic world, people were mocking, you know, the girls. Uh, the Freemasons were actually trying to get a hold of uh, the seers as well. They were persecuted by the Masons in the area. Uh, and people showed up that day. It was about 100,000 people. And most of them were atheists. They were Masons. And they were there to, to mock them. I mean, it wasn't necessarily predominantly Catholic. And guess what? They saw what they saw, and they converted to the church. So the Blessed Virgin Mary said she was going to give this sign unto man. And it basically, you know, the day the sun danced, as it recalled. And some people who were there thought it was going to be the end of the world. I mean, the sun really started flipping out to such a level where... You know, even atheists got on their knees and they started praying because they really thought it was the end. That's how crazy it got. So he's he's trying to make the case that it was demonic, but from we know from what we know from scripture, how does how does Satan cast out Satan? He he can't divide his own kingdom. He the devil wouldn't want atheists and Freemasons in the Catholic Church or to convert to Christianity. And so he just sat and he says he didn't offer me anything. And, and we went kind of point by point, and he didn't say anything to what I had to say. I was like, and I didn't know at that time. Had I known he was making that documentary, I was going to be, you're going you're gonna to look really stupid, L.A., oh, putting that out there. Because then I had to come out in public, and I do these shows, and I have to say where he's wrong. And I would debate him any day of the week on any public show on these points. Uh, he, he probably doesn't, he wouldn't doesn't stand a chance. He probably wouldn't do that, though. No, I know he wouldn't do that because he's a coward. A lot of these guys uh, that are very passionate about a subject, once you really sit down and talk to them and sort of just bring up a few different points and question them just, just a tad, you'll get so much resistance. And that's when you start to realize that some of these people, well, they're not exactly accurate with a lot of what they're saying. Well, that's that's just it, you know, and I, I kind of put it out there kind of a little bit sarcastically. Like, I don't know if he was, you know, short on rent. He needed mortgage money. I mean, he needs something to throw out to the public because Fatima is obviously a very hot topic, and the third secret obviously is very hot. But, again, when you don't know what you're talking about, you know, and you just start, you know, you're already going into a subject with anti-Catholic big, bigotry, you're, you're going to start just pulling anything out. So, you know, you know, listen, why would, if it was demonic, why would the, you know the devil, who according to you know a lot of Protestants, you know acting through Mary, warn people about the apostasy in the church? Why would she be warning about a coming one-world religion? Why would she? Why would she warn soul that most souls were going to hell? And she warned about all the immodest fashions of our time and how a lot of the marriages these days that we we you know like the divorce rates like 50% in the Catholic Church. I mean, she predicted all this stuff. She forewarned us of this stuff for a reason. The devil doesn't do that. The devil wants you to go to hell. He, he wants you, you know, from a theological standpoint, not to come to truth. He, he doesn't want you to know there's Masons and Marxists in the Vatican. Why would he, why would the devil do that? So he, he's got no leg to stand on, you know, with his arguments other than, you know, I think, this, you, know, it, you know, it was demonic and, it, you know, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, there's nothing. A, there's no nothing scientific to 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 prove what he's trying to say. Because actually, science actually proves. And, and by the, the way, exact opposite. By the way, Eric, have you talked to him since this um, conversation? No, I haven't. I haven't messaged him at all. But you know, I, I go. I do a lot of these shows, and I kind of talk to 
like obvious friends of his. Uh, and and, uh, so I'm sure okay. it, it may have gotten back. You know, I'm sure it's gotten back to him because I've done videos on it and, uh, you know, I've called him out. I've even done a, a, a blog on it, calling him out on all his errors. And, you know, you know, how, how does, how does, how does one try to refute the arguments that I just said? You can't because atheists and Freemasons don't, don't convert to Christianity because, uh, it was, you know, some kind of, you know, demonic disc in the sky. That's true. I mean, it, you know, you got a point that doesn't there. happen. That, that happens by grace, by, by grace alone. I mean, I, I'm the first one to know that because at a certain point, like I said, I couldn't stand religion in general. I, I didn't even doubt in a God at one point, you know, when I kind of hit rock bottom. So it took, it took prayer. It took grace, you know, and unfortunately, I'm very blunt when I say it, you know, these poor people who speak in such fashion, they're cut off. They're cut off from God. They can't see. They don't have the grace that they're talking about. You know, and I, and I'm, I'm just very blunt with Protestants who come up to me and they tell me they're, they're full of the Holy Ghost and blah, blah, blah. Jesus was at their bedside in the morning and here they are, you know, rambling and running their mouth off, you know, uh, you know, about the teachings of the church around purgatory. I'm like, no, the Holy Ghost is not in you. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, <laughs> are you, are you sure? Cause I've, I've had several people say some, some things like that, like God talks to them and so forth and so forth. And I'm thinking, are you sure that's God? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's them trying to convince themselves that, uh, they're okay with God. But unfortunately, like I said, you know, truth, truth is truth. And, uh, it, it takes time investigating. And, uh, you know, I encourage everyone to, to, to again, to get to the website, tradcatnight.org because, you know, I, I post a lot of stuff on Fatima, especially with lots the secret of, of Fatima. Yeah, lots of information uh, on your website. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's information uh, overload. I mean, I've actually had some people say, you know, to slow it down a little bit, and I'm trying <laughs> trying to get out as much as I can so that I can paint a very vibrant picture that this is where we're at. I mean, we're in those times that, that Jesus warned about. So, you know, I've got the daily, the middle section there, the timeline. i got like 20-plus blogs on a daily basis. It's, it's more like a newspaper. It reads more like a newspaper and, you know, Again, it's interactive. I got the Twitter feed along the right-hand side. There's a lot of clickable images, resources. Like if you want to find out more about the apostasy in the church, there's clickable links. And, uh, you know, I really hope that some of, some of your people who are of goodwill, you know, will come over. Because I, I have, like I said, I have Protestants. I have people who are just kind of like neutral on everything. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll come and check it out, and they're interested in Planet X or prophecy or just end times in general. And just kind of take it from there. Yeah, they're all fascinating subjects, and everyone out there always wants to learn something new. Uh, sometimes you get Catholics or Christians, and, and they'll check out something they're opposed to, and perhaps they'll like it even. And, and that's when opinions on certain things change. Yeah, that's all you can do is just, you know, kind of plant those seeds. That's and, all you uh, can do. You know, that's all you can really do. It takes time, you know, like I said, to arrive at the conclusion that I have. For sure. I believe, I believe that I just, I have, I've had more time to be able to look into these subjects, whereas people who do their nine to five, maybe they can only get an hour in a day. I mean, I can, you know, put eight to ten hours in on a daily basis to to not only study the faith, to, to, to have arrived at the truth in terms of what the church has truly taught and why it's the true religion. But I'm, I'm talking about all these other issues, too, you know, whether it's, you know, on prophecy or Planet X or this or that. And, you know, it's just I don't know. It, it's very educational, I think you'll find if you come to my website. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, fantastic information. And um, Eric, I, I hate to do this, but we are coming to a, a very, very near end to the interview 
but I was curious outside of, of church and um, all, all the studying and all the research being done. What, what other things are, are you into Eric? Uh, I mainly read. I do, like I said, a lot of writing, working on my book. Uh, I actually like to write a lot of poetry. So I actually have a, a decent amount of poetry that's kind of follows my journey, you know, my spiritual journey from, from where I was to who, you know, where I am today. But yeah, I'm still trying to get back into sports a little bit. I just picked up a basketball the other day. Like I said, I was really good, you know, in college. Um, you know, probably like considered to be like the top college athlete when, when I was in school, the coach wanted me to, or the uh, athletic director wanted me to stay and coach at the university before I, I packed up and moved. So sports has always been kind of, you know, in my life. I, I like to watch football too, just like probably most people, you know, on Sunday, there, you know, there's nothing evil or, or sinful, you know, about that. But, um, you know, you have to be careful about distractions. You don't, you don't want to, you know, like if, if your team loses and, and, and you're crying at the end of it, then you know you got a problem. Yeah, yeah that's too much. <laughs> you're detached. You need some help. Yes, you need some help. And I used to be like that, by the way. I was, oh, no. I was really into it, um, you know, way back when. But, uh, yeah, so sports, yeah, I enjoy walking, you know, reading, writing. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty simple. It's, it's not very overly – I'm not very overly – Complex, and I'm so, I'm so busy with the with the with the website yeah, and answering questions. It takes over I don't really have a lot of time. Yeah. yeah, it consumes you, for sure. And that happens even doing this program. I don't I don't do it too often. Yet it it completely takes over my life. I have to say. Yes. And one thing, if I could add uh, too, outside of the website tradcatnight.org. Uh, I, I hope you all get to my YouTube channel, uh, Tradcat Night, because starting in September, I'm going to start doing webcam live streams, so you'll be able to see me, and then you can, you know, like ask the questions and stuff like that. It's all new to me, but I was on, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, uh, Pete McCarthy from Creepy Little Book, Michael. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his stuff, but he covers like New World Order stuff and Sort of like esoteric yeah. stuff too. Very, I very. I, I would say kind mm-hmm. of similar stuff to what I think you cover. I don't believe I have heard of of this gentleman. Yeah, check check out YouTube. Uh, creepy little book. I was on his show. Oh. You actually see my interview. It was from like two, well, maybe two days ago, and that went really well. You know, most. I'll of, check most it out. Of, yeah. Yeah, he's you know, actually a Catholic, but he he like he he covers it all too. Basically, it's very similar to what I do, and uh, you know, he runs that whole live chat thing, and so he was kind of explain it to me but anyway i'm going to be doing that starting in september so that's another reason why you're going to want to subscribe so you can get these live chats and i'm going to be bringing on guests you know talking about planet x talking about prophecy all the big name guests so you guys can sit down you know interact ask the questions and hopefully that'll you know make make for a good evening for people who don't want to necessarily sit in front of the tv you know for a few hours so fantastic well eric it's been an honor and pleasure to speak to you once again and we'll have to do this again in the near future Absolutely, Michael. Appreciate it. All right, Eric. Well, once again, go ahead and plug the main website and perhaps give us one last final word before you venture off. Sure. Okay. The website's tradcatnight.org. Hope to see you all there. It's $5 a month. Works out to be 15 cents a day. Again, all types of people are there. I'm accessible to you. If you've got questions, you can email me at apostleofmaryhotmail.com. And truly, in the end, uh, you know, I, I just want to reiterate that you know, we as Catholics, um, we we know for the most part what's about to happen, uh, so to speak, with the church. I'm talking about real Catholics. I'm not talking about those following Vatican II that just they don't get it. 
Um, and so I do my best as a part of my apostolate to keep people in faith and hope. So when I use the eagle as a symbology, which, by the way, it, it stems back to Catholic herald, heraldry, back in the good old medieval times, this uh, symbol was used in the Catholic Church, and then the Freemasons ripped it off. I always get accused of being a Freemason because I have a <laughs> double-headed eagle. I'm yes. like, come on, seriously, dude? Uh, so, no, I'm not a Freemason. Uh, but the bottom line is, is the, the Freemasons, uh, stole that symbol, Scottish Freemasonry. Uh, I get accused, I get accused every other day of being a CIA agent and a Freemason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. God. I get all, all kinds of things. It's hard to keep up with some of the accusations, but, um, yeah, so the double-headed eagle stands for, uh, represents both church and state, because according to the Catholic religion, they are married. This whole idea of separation in church and state is a Masonic ideal, which of course we find here in this country, because I've already explained how we are a Masonic country, not a Christian country. Word. Uh, and, uh, the bottom line is, uh, we want to remain in faith and hope. That's the message of Fatima. Yeah, all these bad things are going to happen. It's all meant for the conversion of mankind. It's all to draw you closer to God, and and oftentimes, I mean, you could just, you know, even for me, uh, Michael, when I was going through everything that I went through and I got hit with everything all at once, it was necessary because at that point I was so prideful. Yeah. That was the only thing that was going to get me to turn around was just to get bombarded by everything all at once. And so the suffering. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the pain. Everything is going to implode. Right. Yeah. And, you you uh, first you had to suffer to return, which which is good. Exactly. So kind of like the, yeah, kind of like the, the story of the, uh, the prodigal son in, in, in scripture. I mean, suffer, you realize you're wrong yeah. and, and you're, you're, you're meant to come back basically. So mm-hmm. that's what God has to do. He's got to unfortunately take out the rod of correction here. And, you know, we're, we're, I, I just liken it to a great storm coming. We are eagles. We're meant to keep our wings spread in faith and hope. And, you know, if you don't keep your wings spread, what happens to an eagle if he jumps off a cliff and doesn't keep his wings spread? He's, he's going to crash and burn, Splat. right? So, so that's what is, that's what you find in all these Marian apparitions over and over again, Michael, is only faith and hope will survive. That's literally one of the last lines that Our Lady of Lasselet says during our end times. Only faith and hope will survive. So, the, the, the wings of the eagle are faith and hope, and the eyes are charity. Our eyes are, stay wide in charity, you know, to stay locked in on truth, if you will. And so I agree. Uh, and, and by the way, um, bef- one last thing is David D. still doing your artwork. Uh, I actually asked him to do a Maitreya piece for for me some time ago, and I I had him on the program. I don't know if you saw us, but I. No, you wouldn't have seen it because it's only on my my uh, special guest podcast section. I actually did a a live call-in show. If, if anyone's interested, again, you got to get to the to the website tradcatnight.org. He was on with Patrick Wood from Technocracy dot uh, news, and uh, he came on and we started talking. He's he's changed a little bit. He's like, very last time. he's so invasive with me. Um, with me, I, I'm not quite sure why. I did well, invite it, him. It, yeah, I invited him be, to be a guest on the program, and he told me he he was a little nervous. Well, like. I'm like, what? Explain it. I, I didn't, I don't know. Something might happen in his life to where he just, he really doesn't want to talk about the new order anymore. He really doesn't. Yeah. And it was strange because I didn't know that, like going into the interview. So like I had all these questions lined up and, you know, to kind of keep the talk going. And like he didn't want to talk about any of this stuff. So I was like, you know, what in the world do I talk about? Well, he wanted to talk about his rabbit and his garden. And it was just like, it was very awkward. Isn't it confusing? That's confusing to hear because like, again, I I did invite, invite him to be 
uh, interviewed here one-on-one, and he was a little uncomfortable. So I said, what if I bring in Jim Fetzer? Would that make you less uncomfortable? And then he said no, because he really likes Jim, and he doesn't want to uh, say something that would... I don't know. He said something along those lines, and I just thought, uh, yeah, I don't, man. I, I don't know. Maybe he's just going through something, you know. Perhaps, I mean, like, yeah. you know, maybe he's, you know, it's just something going on in his life, and I, you know, I don't want to judge him on that. But he, he just, from when I last had him on over a year ago, he just like changed tremendously. Where he doesn't want to talk about New World Order, he doesn't want to talk about Paul. I mean, he didn't want to talk about any of the stuff that we talked about before, and I didn't know that going to the interview. So it was like we ended up talking about how he was, he, he talks to his orange and, oh, and, and animate objects and stuff, and it was like. I was like a little taken back to where like I didn't I didn't really know even how to proceed in the, in the interview. I don't blame you. I probably would have ended it pretty shortly. Yeah. Well, you know, I stuck it out and I kind of rolled with the with the punches and uh, you know he was a, he was a good sport you know in the end. But yeah, I was just it was, it was wow. definitely very awkward. And uh, I think he said that he was just going to be working on his cryptocurrency. Like his cartoons going forward would be going to be. Just about cryptos, basically, not like really anything else. So that's why he basically denied me because I wanted him to do a Maitreya piece for me, the guy that I think is the Antichrist. And or, yeah. He kind of shot that down. So, mm. yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with our friend David Dees over there, but whatever it is, hopefully he gets over it. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I like, you know, he's a good guy, but, um, you know, we obviously disagree in certain areas. It almost seems like he got like very like metaphysical and new age ish too. Like he was all about like, vibes and like uh har- harmonious and like i mean i don't know i don't even that's remember what happens was before that's what happens I <laughs> so i think i think he kind of dabbled into the new age or, or something yeah, uh, i'm not quite in. sure but you get sucked into that trust me I, i'm out here near la so you know i've lost many friends to that <laughs> it's possible yeah so eric once again thank you so much for spending so much time here on the program i know it's been a long day for both of us so once again Thank you so much, and we'll do it again next time. And I'll see you on the flip side, Eric. All right. Take care now, buddy. Right, good night. And that was my guest, Eric Gajewski. Fantastic guest. And, of course, if you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time. Good night, everybody.